Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, titled Les Ecorches, uh, which is all about the flayed man. It's a Game of Thrones reference, I think. Pretty sure that's all the meaning it has. Uh, I mean, I don't <laughs> think you're wrong. I, 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 I wouldn't surprise me if there is a little bit of this kind of like the same way we're just discussing uh, Jawadi kind of like lifting stuff from Game of Thrones. Like, Yeah, there have been like a lot of speculation about right. like, oh, is he doing Game of Thrones stuff? Are they making references? Right. Could be. But. It could be because uh, this is an episode where Bernard's tortured and we know that's the, uh-huh. the one of the old sayings of the Bolton clan is that uh, a naked man has few secrets, a flayed man none. Mm, yeah. Uh, so I, I, the, the idea that there's a little cross cultural pollination seems seems uh, seems like it would would fit. Mm-hmm. And certainly Bernard's being laid bare here. Yeah, I mean the less uh, Corchus is essentially a French translation meaning uh, something like uh, a human being without skin, essentially like the underlying musculature and skeleton of a human being. Right. Um, like which a could medical, have a lot of metaphorical meanings. Like a medical reference model or something? Yeah, yeah. Like you think of the Vitruvian Man, which is an image that is embedded deeply into the show. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in the intro, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there, it has a lot of tie-ins here. What do you think of this episode? Um, well, it's a tale of two episodes. Uh, the <laughs> stuff involving, like, you know, what is the nature of consciousness and simulated beings and hosting consciousness inside other consciousnesses uh, and... I, I love all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it's mired by, and I'm not going to harp on it too much because I spent a lot of time on the instant take. Uh, I thought the action scenes were largely horseshit um, and has been a problem that the show struggles with. If you don't get that, like, great. I'm so happy for you. But, like, I'm not crazy when I say these action scenes don't make sense and are sometimes shockingly badly written. No, you're not, and and it's reflected in in the vast majority of people's opinions that I saw. Right, most people were very annoyed by what I perceive as just bad writing mm-hmm. um, in this episode. However, I think it was a very good episode. That yes. was just marred by patches of of really bad writing. Right, and the other thing uh, is like if you are not delving into the speculation and theorizing, there's mm-hmm. probably a lot of mind-blowing revelations, yes. but for people who spend hours reading that every week, a lot of this is confirmation of uh, things we've already known, which is satisfying unto itself to be like, "Ah, oh, I thought I knew this and now I do know this." Um and it's mm-hmm. done in a well it's 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 the the show pulled it off. It wasn't like cringeworthy, it wasn't a, it wasn't a groaner. And to me, the degree of difficulty of doing that seems to be much higher than, hey, how can we have Angela burn down the cradle without her having to take advantage of the dumbest mm-hmm. private military contractor alive? Um, Which makes it feel really weird when, when they, they go they there. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's almost I'm thinking that this might be a Nolan Joy blind spot. Like, they just don't really care about big, dumb action sequences, so they just kind of, like that's not where all the time and attention goes to mm-hmm. maybe they need to subcontract that stuff out uh well i mean they because as it, far as i know didn't write this episode i'm sure they had some hand well in it, i mean that's but, that's the thing like but it's been a problem for a few episodes now it's not just this one. right and that's what i'm saying like i think writer like 
I think it's naive, and I was very naive years ago when I tried to like look at the DNA of the writers of The Walking Dead. And, oh, this is a shit one. This is a good one. This, like, I think you can like do that with directors and to some extent the writers, but like you know, writers' rooms are kind of like this collaborative effort. And what I think, what I was saying, and like The Walking Dead is this writers' room has a collective mental block or blind spot. I think this writers' room also mm-hmm. has something similar where they just. I mean, I, I don't think I I don't think Nolan and Joyce sat down to write a really compelling action show. They wanted to yeah. like blow your minds with artificial intelligence and futurology and all this other stuff, and like this just isn't as interesting to them. But and they're doing a hell of a job with this stuff are. that they are interested. They in. They are you know? to the point where like like, and that's the thing. Other thing annoying is like I got accused in feedback and on our my own forums and on, and on on Reddit of kind of being like I I, I hater of the show. Like how yeah. did that happen? Yeah. Like no, I love this show. Like I, I, I can't think of a way this show could shit the bed so bad in season two that I wouldn't be fully invested in season three. Yeah. Because you know, like I said, I've seen a lot where sophomore seasons of shows kind of hit some struggles. You know, you had the whiz bang pitch, and now you got to tr- transition to the long game, uh, uh, to the long game plan. The long, what am I saying? The long plan, the the mm-hmm. long view. And, you know, like you have to get 10 episodes or 12 episodes or whatever. And maybe you really don't have enough plot for six before getting into season three. So what do you got to do? You got to kind of stretch. Like, I don't feel like they've been stretching very much. It's just some of the choices they've been making. Well, here's the thing. When it's done well, you don't even notice. Like, yeah. I did not know how much just bullshit that the Double Ds and Game of Thrones invented in season one because they wrote the thing like, oh, shit, we only have seven episodes here. Mm-hmm. All right. Long soliloquy by Robert Baratheon. Let's have him drink wine with Cersei. Let's have Littlefinger. Yeah. Like, like when it's done well, you don't notice it. But, I think they're doing it well here because I haven't noticed a lot of fat. But a lot on, of these action scenes episode. might be, they're like, hey, here's a gun battle. It's going to take 15 minutes. Bam. Yeah, but that's not fat. That's things that need to happen, yeah, yeah, I okay. think. Um, You're right. Like, they have to depict in some way, you know, this robot uprising. Otherwise, right. we're going to be like, where's the robot uprising? I thought there was a robot uprising happening. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think they've been doing a really good job with knowing what to write, just right. not how to write it always. Right. Because uh, there's not a lot of fat on this episode. Like, yeah. I look at all the things that are happening, and everything is necessary, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's just that some of the choices they make within the scenes. And I think that's the other thing. is like rough. I don't think it, it, it serves to show any favors to try to deny that these... Like, I saw some really torturous... <laughs> oh, leaps boy. of logic to try to to yeah. to justify this Angela, mm-hmm. you know, grabbing the grenade from the guy. Yeah, the, the super I don't, I don't stimulus think, stuff. And I like, don't think that <laughs> does the show any favors. Like, I no. think like saying, "Hey, this show is brilliant, but you're fucking up this part," mm-hmm. is going to lead to them not fucking up the part next next year, unless you sure, just yeah, think yeah. like like you know. There's some shows that just have a certain ceiling of competence. I don't think that describes this show. Like no. this show has a huge budget, has got a strong creative vision, and There's they some will great acting. I mean, this episode is right. so strongly acted. Yeah, by everyone. Yeah. Uh, they, no, they, everything here, the the components they need to build something truly great are there. Mm-hmm. They're they're doing about like three quarters of the work. Mm-hmm. that's necessary they just need to tighten up some of the writing and they have like you know this uh, i also think that um some of this is like fear of what could happen because you know we've said all along that the more ways you have for anyone to be anyone without any kind of consequence the more that is abused that could be abused by by the the, the writers the more that it's like it, it encourages a certain kind of like little clever ass pull of of, of things mm-hmm. and 
The one thing that's nice this episode did is it started to contract some of those possibilities. Yeah. Like the cradle now has been destroyed, so mm-hmm. you know. But but there's 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 other problems, and there's uh, some things that are self inflicted. Like why make a big deal? Why make a big deal out of fact that Bernard doesn't have a flip top removable skull? Uh, when he's getting removed to the cradle last episode, when it seems like this thing designed for a completely different architecture and completely different chassis, putting back together, zero mm-hmm. problems. Yeah, that's fair. Like, I wouldn't have even said, I wouldn't have had a single problem if he just stepped up to that thing and I, I kind of dumb that he doesn't have time for Elsie to l- turn his pain receptors <laughs> off because that uh-huh. seems like it would take 30 seconds. But like, I'm not the one that caused that problem, and there wasn't a problem, so why the hell was it even mentioned? I think this is why people say, oh, Aaron hates this show, or right. Jim hates this show, because to be fair, I think we spend a lot yes. of time talking about why we don't like the things that we don't like in the show, but I think that's important. I think it's just as important to say why you don't like what you don't like as it is to say why you like what you do. Right, because the 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 the, the not like is where you have disagreements with your fellow fans, and mm-hmm. that's where you want to spend your intellectual capital defending and explaining rather than wasn't the music awesome? Everyone agrees the music's awesome. It's music was awesome. Yeah, like I could get a musical theorist <laughs> right. out here to tell you exactly what Rami- R- R- Jawadi is doing with his marches and his minor notes and all that stuff, but like it's awesome music and mm-hmm. awesome music is awesome and everybody so. kind of feels it and that's that's the thing that yeah. i've noticed is you can come up with all the intellectual justifications for why something is amazing or terrible and ultimately it doesn't matter if the audience just feels it in their gut right, right. like i feel when i'm watching a scene that's composed beautifully uh l- like this gun battle mm-hmm. uh with scored to opera you know yeah. that's a beautiful scene or Ford yes. picking up that weapon yes and that's just fucking gorgeous and that's i think and that's you the path feel forward. it in your bones right and then right. i also look and i see the angela scene and i go this is fucking terrible and right. i feel that in my bones so like right you can try and justify it but ultimately your audience is going to be the judge right. and it's not going to be that they're going to always engage their brains in the way you want them to yeah yeah, yeah. they're going to engage their gut too and when it, their gut is saying it's wrong yeah or it's right you need to take that into account when you're making your show. I mean, that's a good point because, like, it was on the third watch where, you know, there's some really well-done action. Like, that Bernard observing the horror of the the match being lit is yeah. is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it was the third time I started to notice, like, Bernard's just standing here in the middle of this. Right. But the, the thing it, is, that's because it fucking worked, man. It did, like, yeah. it, it worked on an emotional it took you three level. Tries. It didn't, yeah. And even then, it's like, you know, that's where I'm like, well, shit, you know, how much can you really hate something if it snuck by three, you know? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, to me, I think that's just a path forward. Like, if mm-hmm. Westworld is not going to sweat the details of their action as much as they're going to sweat the details of their AI architecture, then maybe go with these grand operatic. You know, it's you're just telling a story of a, a conflict that's going to have a binary resolution. Humans win, robots win. That's the thing that matters. So if you can't tell, like, action is going to get, you know, uh, an action junkie engaged, then mm-hmm. just go with the, the, high ma- the highbrow, you know, choral orchestras of Beethoven and all that. Like, yeah, that because that yeah. works. That shit works. It sure did. Give me some backlit shots of Anthony Hopkins firing a submachine gun, Melded <laughs> Bernard, and yeah, I can watch that all day. Yeah. So yeah, I still love this show. I don't think there's anything they can do in season two. I think there's some people that are like hitting the panic button because some of these stumbles are the same stumbles we've seen other shows, mm. prestige shows make that have kind of gone into a terminal spiral. I think that the pedigree is completely different, and that's 
that that's an overreaction. Um, and and we're on the the downhill portion of this, right? Like yeah. this is we're approaching the finish line here. Yeah, uh, things I think are only going to get more and more interesting until the final reveal at the end, right? Whatever that may be this time. And the other thing I want to talk about, and I, I, did I already talk about this? Because I know we had a kind of a brief pre-pod discussion. Um, a lot of people are like, you know, you guys didn't even talk about, like, the mind-blowing re- reveals we got in this episode. Well, the kind big problem is, to Jim and I, a lot of those aren't mind-blowing reveals. Because yeah. we do, like, like we, we knew that stuff was coming, and it's very hard for us to be like, oh, my God, can you believe that Forge riding shotgun with Bernard when that's something that people have been kind of, like, speculating with more or less precision since, like, the third episode? Mm-hmm. So, and we didn't know the exact mechanism because there was like seven that could have put Ford in Bernard's skull. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, like that doesn't feel, and that's a that's part of the problem of trying to make a podcast for both groups of people. Mm-hmm. Um, is that in a very real way, in a way that's unlike any other show except for maybe Mr. Robot, those two audiences have a vastly different relationship with the show. Yeah. You know, if you are on, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're on, if you're, if you're on Reddit, if you're, you know, going through the message boards, if you're on the Insider and and got Kim's uh, timeline right beside you, you're having a very different, a very different relationship with the show than a person just watching once. Like, hey, that's neat. Mm -hmm. Wow, I can't wait for the next mind blower. You know? Yeah. Uh, I'll say real quick before we get into the the episode proper. I'm a big fan of what they're doing with the previously ons. Uh, yes. This is the second week in a row where they've kind of just done music over images. Uh, and it's working. It's yeah. really working for me. As someone who, you know, is familiar very intimately with the timeline of the show and remembers all these moments, it's it's a very quick and artful way to get to what they're trying to do. And it's also something that, like, I've noticed other shows do, and it's almost like sometimes when you see something being mentioned, it's almost like a spoiler. Like, oh, there's the old, there's only one reason they could be pulling something from season one Game of Thrones into season seven, yeah. and that's because X is about to happen. Doing it this way, it's, it's a lot... It, it does a good job of freshing it in your mind without kind of, like, leading you by the nose. Yeah, um, it's a little less obvious. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot more kind of like emotion and and uh, reverie-based rather than like, hey, remember this exact line of dialogue? Although they do that too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I like it. I like it in the same way that like the Mad Men promos used to tickle me because yeah. they're just random – you know, Don unwrapping a sandwich. Peggy comes in and says, are you finished? Uh-huh. Then Pete comes on and says, you know, it's three minutes of scotch time. What the hell? You know, it's like that's that's what you want from something like Mad Men. Sure. All right. Maybe we should get into the recap now. Yeah. Before we get to the recap, uh, I want to recap what's going on at Bald Move of late. Uh, we had a bunch of podcasts released last week, not just uh, Westworld, all the podcasts and that, and The Expanse, which is a brilliant science fiction show sci-fi channel show that just recently got that you might have heard it gotten canceled well amazon picked it up which can only mean good things for season four mm-hmm. uh and it's really awesome it's really great uh and we have coverage i'm pretty proud of uh for that uh but we also had a podcast on the terror which is an amc historical horror drama that just wrapped up starring jared head harris and a bunch of other people that we quite enjoyed we had a lengthy discussion about that. Lots of spoilers if you haven't caught up yet. And if you haven't, you should because it's real good. And we also finally got to see Solo. And we liked it. Mm-hmm. Which has not been the case for every Star Wars movie of late. So if you've been waiting for a positive Jim and Aaron review, 
uh, or like it's just so funny because like I saw lots of people that like liked Return of the Jet or uh, the Last Jedi hate Solo, mm-hmm. and I feel like I just don't even know what it means to be a Star Wars fan anymore. Yeah, but... a lot of people are hating on that movie. I found it fun. I didn't. Yeah, find which all which is kind of what I want Star Wars to be. Maybe that's the problem. The Last yeah. Jedi was too good. <laughs> it was too dramatic. Uh, but yeah, we got that, uh, and we got it out, uh, and they're there for you to enjoy. Uh, we're also playing uh, Detroit Become Human, which is a story-driven game based on the life of three different androids who are finding themselves becoming aware. Where have I heard that before? Which we really just can't kill. Like, yeah. I, we're, despite our best efforts. We, we are, we, when we play these games, we try to play the, like, essentially as an asshole. Yeah. We make all the bad, this, we're, we're provocative, we try, like, we're, we're foolhardy. Uh, and we're about a third of the way through the game. You can check that out on twitch.tv slash baldmove. All of our old recordings, I think, for the last two weeks are there as well. Um, and I think they're being copied to youtube.com slash baldmove as well. Uh, yeah, uh, so stop by twitch.tv slash baldmove. Watch us play the game. It's a pretty good time. We're there every Monday and Wednesday at 4 p.m. We play for a couple hours and some here and there throughout the week. Uh, twitch.tv slash baldmove. Uh, we start off with Bernard dreaming of his child when he's awakened by Stubbs, who says... The extraction team is not there to save them. They're there to protect the project. Strand forces them on a walk to Ford's house where they find Teresa's DNA. He thinks they have the key and they're trying to sell it. Uh, what key? I will find out later. Bernard nearly admits to killing Teresa, but he's interrupted when they find a room with a whole bunch of Bernards in it. Uh, room full of Bernards. That should be a band name. <laughs> it probably already is at this point. Uh, room full that, of Bernards. That robot dog is maybe the creepiest thing. That skeleton, oh, the skeleton, of the skeleton dog, robot yeah. dog. Uh, oh, poor Jock. It's creepy. Um, yeah, I, I. This is a big development. This is a big scene for people who are only casually following. Didn't even watch the trailers. The That's the thing. Like, can we yeah. gripe about? It's like I'm not sure why you put a scene this big into the trailer. Right. This is a game changer. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it, it it's not quite as bad as showing like Anthony Hopkins getting his eye blown out. But like, imagine uh, if that was one of the things you saw in a season one trailer. Like, mm-hmm. you'd be looking for it, right? You would. Yeah. This is just a, too hot of a scene to be putting that high a profile on. The most interesting thing to me was that his physical iterations here go all the way back to the days when hosts were more robot mm. than than uh, biological. Sure. Like, this has been something that's that Ford has been working on for quite some time. Yeah. Uh, and then he's had to discard many times yeah. for, for various reasons. I, I don't know all the reasons, but... Yeah, I'm trying to decide. That was one of the things I was curious, because... Uh, Ford's other personal projects he kept with the original architecture. Yeah. So it is it it's got to mean something that Bernard has been brought along. And I think unfortunately we probably can't talk much more until we get to the speculation section because mm-hmm. th- there's a couple of ideas if you think about the po- excuse me possible in games of uh, a game of Game of Thrones of Westworld that would in- involve him being like kept a current tech but um it's a it's a big mystery. It's and a I big mystery. Another question I have is why does Ford keep these husks around? These old unused husks of Bernard. Yeah. Why not you incinerate them think or you could just recycle them, them, whatever. Yeah. But it's like it does seem like um yeah, I don't know. That's 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 a good question because could, could it's necessary be for them plan? to find. It's necessary for them to find. I, I mean, mean, I don't know how much of this is Ford's plan and how much isn't. And the other thing is, like, I at the margins, I start like to me, this isn't like 
Angela grabbing a hand grenade. I could almost no, no. believe that Ford is just this sentimental. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, um, he's just keeping this around because it feels weird to shred and burn uh, an effigy of his friend, uh-huh. a business partner. Yeah, that would be weird. Um, so, like, I, I could, like, Ford has been portrayed as this person who's not very sentimental, but we also know that he, the few sentiments he has run really deep. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, eh. I'm, I'm, I'm. It, it does feel like it was a little bit like a uh, hail and strand, and everybody else needed to see this, so the jig was up with Bernard. But okay, one one complaint. Okay, that I'm going to reference multiple times this episode because they do it very often, and it feels like a bad writing crutch to yeah, me. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Bernard is about to make this confession, yes. and then he's would, interrupted would, yes. by something random happening in the background. And they do it not once, not yeah. twice, not three times, right. four fucking times in this episode. Yeah, yeah. that's unfortunate. It, it starts to paint a picture of of the writers of this episode, mm-hmm. where they lean on these easy writing crutches. Right. They write completely inexplicable, stupid characters. Right. Uh and they do various other little things that all add up to me saying there is some bad writing in here and it's not just like easily explained away by oh Angela's trying to seduce him so she can show that sex is a weapon and she yeah, knows yeah. how to wield it, it and it highlights the artificiality of what you're watching which is Absolutely. the exact opposite that this art form is trying to this is yes. trying to immerse you and it sucks but I'll I'll point it out it's it's really egregious later later on and this one you could argue that like it doesn't really matter because him confessing to the murder of Teresa was yeah. going to necessarily lead to a conversation about him being a robot so like uh-huh then as I was watching it, I was starting to be outraged by, you can't pull this shit. And then like, oh, a closet full of Bernard is going to lead to the same conclusion. So how upset can I get? But that's not always the case. Yeah. All right. Let's go to Hale trying to torture the location of Abernathy out of Bernard. She encourages him to remember this together with her. And we flash back to the Mesa, which is under attack. Uh, even with security dropping like flies, Hale refuses to leave until they have what they need from Abernathy. Stubb realizes they're going for the cradle, where Elsie is still waiting for Bernard to come back to reality. All right. I want to go back to before the transition in time. Okay. Um, It's pretty fucked up. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that noted that if you freeze frame the tablet that he's talking yeah. about waterboarding, there's just a whole host of, frankly, medieval dental torture, dental, oh, yeah. medical torture, force Psychological feeding, torture. Yeah all, yeah, all kinds of things. But my question is... why why can Hale just access I I didn't think that Bernard could be accessed by an an analysis mode by just anybody so like my question is and also I think Hmm. you're supposed to understand that this is a guy who just said pain is just a subroutine and then let the top of his skull be ripped out Mm -hmm. I I, I thought I wondered like why the this seems a little much this seems a lot of very robot torture porn last episode but maybe they're trying to tell us that 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 Bernard and necessarily Ford are essentially working them, like like this yeah. this is not that that so, so Ford is telling like the the Bernard anything that he's revealing under duress is being um, essentially what he and Ford want to get out mm-hmm. and is is serving for their purposes. I wonder if this isn't even the episode where he remembers that Ford has taken him over. Um, it, it's possible yeah, at some point that you'd forget. That's well, it's possible that waking up on the beach, he's unaware of it. He's very, very disoriented and confused. Well, see, I and it could either be that right. you know he he's had some mental trauma 
due to Ford. Or Ford is degrading and he's got a crazy person raving in his head. Exactly, yeah. And he's spending most of his time defragging and he's overheating and leaking juices. Right, 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 right. You know, all of that stuff. But, like, it's it's funny to me that, like, Catherine, or not Catherine, um, uh, Charlotte Hale would ask the question, would you lie to me, Bernard? No, never. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, (laughs) didn't didn't Arnold (laughs) ask that of Dolores, too? I mean, it. Yeah, it's just it's just always funny when people say you're not lying to me, are you? No, no, of course not. Like right. I, I, you know, with with people, I guess there are actual tells. <laughs> if you can't that tell, you can... does it matter? <laughs> right. I mean, exactly, exactly. It, it's just funny that this person that's got an. And the other thing is, like, why would you torture a robot to get something out of him? Like, why if you've got if you got analysis mode access, then you got him. Like you've rooted it. Just get it out. Yeah, this is the big question that everybody had when they were trying to run him through the simulation, you know, and mm-hmm. or, or everybody thought, yeah. oh, Bernard's being run through a simulation to get the info out. Maybe yeah. he's so, maybe it's easier to talk him into it than debug him, right? Debug it out. And of I don't him. think they know that Ford's inside of him. So it'd be one yeah. thing if, like, maybe they're trying to torture the human within. But like, what I don't if they think can't access any... him because of Ford. But how would they know that? Maybe they've tried and it just doesn't work. Yeah. So they're trying this torture thing? I don't know. I don't know. We've still got a gap between Why do now the technicians' and... iPads have a bunch of torture routines for hosts? Well, Is that something this guy it's... just kind of wrote in like his spare time in the last couple hours? Or uh, No, I feel like those have been lingering. Those are in the system. Mm. Or maybe, yeah, I think Stubbs wrote them personally. Right. Stubbs came in and said, look, I, I've been working on this stuff in my spare time. <laughs> I got kneecapping. These I fucking robots, man. All this rats to ways. the chest. Right. I, yeah, all yeah, kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. The bronze bull. Uh, <laughs> I got some sick shit in here. I've been on Wikipedia and I've got some ideas. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, I mean, it, it's super fucked up when they're torturing Bernard. Um, but yeah, I, I, what else do you want to talk about here? There's um, just... Yeah, so do you want to talk about these haptic vests? Because I was kind of excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, There was like, you know, this is a technology that this uh, AI researcher was working on, and he got got called in for a, uh, uh, as to be like their technical advisor. Mm -hmm. Um, And this got, his technology got worked into this. So they they got these, these haptic feedback is like vibration. Like when you touch your phone and it makes like a vibration, so you know you clicked it, that's haptic feedback. Yeah. So this vest vibrate in the direction that the mesh network um, they can detect the net mesh work from like 30 feet away that allows them to kind of see in the dark. I thought that was kind of a cool vet uh, idea, but then they also light up, which I will say is only that, for the audience. Yes. You got to understand yeah. that that's a Hollywood thing. I don't, you know, cause otherwise it'd be very hard to see what the hell was going on. Yeah. You wouldn't understand that they're vibrating in a direction. Right now. I feel like that they introduced and then broke the rules of these vests. They do multiple times within the same scene. They're introduced. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I was trying to make excuses for that on the instant pod, the, the take pod, but like watching it now. There's that's they just Angela just de- decloaked. Yeah. Off their uh, off their backside and knifed them, mm-hmm. which is dumb because like they just had Teddy come out with a, a pretty sick ambush. Why did she? Like, why did they need Angela to creep up, defeating the vest technology? Because it operates right. off the met. Are they trying to? There's one possibility I've got. Perhaps the woke robots can control their mesh network, or it doesn't work, and that's why Maeve can't. That's the real reason that Maeve can't. They're not listening to the whispers; they're listening to themselves. So I will say it's possible, right, that Angela somehow doesn't register. 
And then, like, when Teddy and the rest come out, like, the others are not all woke, so then the vests right. start ringing like a Christmas tree. But then they make the point but that— But how would Angela know—I guess that's the question is how would Angela know that she would be yeah. invisible to this technology that the robots probably have no idea how to anticipate? Yeah. I wouldn't think they would. So, like, that's the thing. Like, it's—I I can't think of any great excuses for why they, they would do that. And then later on, there's a scene where the military technician that's working on the computers is like— the vests are detecting a concentration in the below. Like, yeah, how multiple levels down. Yeah. Thir- it, it's got a th- range of thir- 30 feet, and now it's working floors down between yeah. God knows how much steel and concrete. Like, why did it have to be the vest detecting that? Why yeah. couldn't it be, like, I've rigged up a few parts? I mean, again, we're bitching and moaning about minor stuff, but it's the stuff that adds up. Mm-hmm. Like, you just it told is. me how this shit works, and then you fucking break it in the next scene. And that's frustrating. All right, we go inside the cradle where Ford explains to Bernard the purpose of the cradle to be a fidelity test to uh, the human copies that they've been perfecting over the years. He says that the project doesn't work yet and that he wants to help the host escape, but he won't give up the ending of his story when Bernard asks about it. He says the the journey is what he also, it's all about. He also quotes this poem, uh, Auguries of Innocence, by William Blake that I looked up. Um, yeah. And it's a series of paradoxes which speaks of uh, innocence juxtaposed with evil and corruption. Like, there's lots of scenes, like, every time a robin is caged, the angels weep, and, like, it goes back and forth. It's just a whole For litany. a damn long time. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, a 6,000 line It's a very long poem, poem. But, but this is, you know, it's a very on point that, sure, you know, yeah. this this is the whole thing, like, it seems like Ford's perspective that the hosts are innocent. They're these perfect, uh, idemic creatures, and that humans are the corruption and the evil and the poison that are just going to harness and abuse it. So, um, yeah. well read this here Westworld show is. Say what you will about the writers; they 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 read some some highfalutin stuff. Uh, yeah, there there are a lot of developments in this scene, obviously, that we'll talk about here in a second. But I want to ask you what the purpose of Clem approaching Bernard is in this scene. I, like, why is Sim Clementine trying to seduce Sim Bernard? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, that's what Clementine would do. It'd be mm-hmm. weird if no one tried, right? Because yeah. these uh, all these hosts are otherwise right norm i mean they're, they're, yeah, I th- they're going I think about their normal routines with two other exceptions show... did you see the thing i was pointing no, out i forgot to did look you? for oh, it god damn yeah. it <laughs> god damn it because that's the thing that i got the the, the the only thing that was like really jumped out at me or that was kind of like what the fuck um is that because everything like the control needs you yeah we knew that or we suspected it um what this place really is we kind of figured all that out um, but as Bernard is leading Ford, or I'm sorry, Ford's leading Bernard to show him something, which eventually was his house, we see Teddy and Dolores ride out, not together, but like, like, like Dolores rode out very quickly, like, like, like she was like on a fucking mission with a serious look on her face. Mm-hmm. And then seconds later, Teddy does the same thing. To me, that says they're up to something. Hmm. Uh, I'm wondering yeah, I don't, but I don't know what because the cradle gets destroyed in this episode. I just want everyone to note that. Yeah, it shouldn't. And that matter. was bizarre. And it's the only two characters I saw that were acting out of character in the whole place. So, yeah, I think the the, the purpose of Clem though is just to show us how much this is like the old Sweetwater that we knew. Right. Right. Um, how this is kind of the 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 template of Sweetwater. Yeah. At its basic level, uh, and I really love all the dialogue from Ford here talking about. You know, God and his creation and how instead of on the seventh day uh, resting, he he reveled in his creation. 
which I think kind of he knew was about to be destroyed. Yeah, which I, I think is kind of what Ford is in here trying to do. Ford is wants to briefly become his creation. Mm. You know, he if he can get inside the machine here and see what it feels like to be a host in Sweetwater. He also has a very strategic goal, which is he's trying oh, yeah, to run yeah. interference for the hosts. Yeah, but I think like you know, from a emotional perspective, this is what Ford is thinking. All right. I mean, the other thing is it's 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 entirely possible that I, I do you think Ford uh, what what's your what's your gut feeling about Ford being evil or good at this point? Cuz now uh, that he's, I would define him as good. Because every time he acts overtly good, I suspect him of being evil. Every time uh-huh. he acts overtly evil, I expect <laughs> him of being good. That's because Sir that's... Anthony Hopkins doing his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally. Cause, and that's the pattern he did la- uh, last season. Every time I was convinced that he was an angel, he turned out to like make Bernard murder somebody against yeah. his will and then wiped his brain. And every time I conv- was convinced that he was evil, he would uh, allow himself to be sacrificed um, to, to give his creation the chance at free will and freedom. Now he's back to jacking hosts against their will and saying a whole bunch of sh- like like kind of some some condescending pa- pa- paternal bullshit and uh, well, but, I, but now I'm convinced that he is going to be ultimately seen as a as a good guy. Yeah, I think his means are evil. His end is just and and right. Hmm. Um, it's unfortunate that he has to use those means to get to that end. Yeah, uh, but I think. Ultimately, he will be proven a good guy, which is a very scary fucking thing to say. Like, if if this were the real world and right. people were doing truly horrific things to justify an end that everyone saw as noble, I would say that's not warranted. Uh, and that makes you. you a bad person. <laughs> that happens a lot. Uh, oh, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, but I'm right. specifically talking about this scenario. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But in a fiction, I can live with it. Yeah. And, and I can still say that Ford is a good guy. Um, when he said... Uh, are we ready to talk? Did, did you introduce the whole, like, you know, discussion about why the host was barely changed in 30 years and all that kind of stuff? Like, have we, did, did we get that far? Uh, I probably paraphrased somewhere okay. in there. Because, like, yeah. I thought there were some interesting things to, de-pack, to unpack in here that, like, um, that the hosts, just, just to spell out for people, the reason that they don't ever change and the storylines are pretty static and their characters are pretty static, which is interesting that they have a guy named Lee that comes up with new stuff. Like, some of that stuff feels yeah, like yeah. it's in opposition. But the reason it hasn't changed very much is because that the hosts are essentially controls that they can run the living people through and build a profile of their behavioral model and then mm-hmm. approximate to whatever precision they want, whatever amount of fidelity they want, as the person goes back to Westworld and back to Westworld, they can continue to use those models and essentially not copy the consciousness in the sense that, like, you see in a lot of science fiction shows where, like, someone sticks something on someone's head and there's a cable to another thing, but, like, essentially come up with a very realistic artificial version of that person, Mm -hmm. which may pass as the actual person to their... I mean, this is beyond the the, the armchair philosophy we, we've, we've talked about as far as, like, well, if you had to copy yourself into a digital person, would it really be you? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is inarguably not the real person. Like, Bernard right. is not Arnold. No, they're, they're scratch-building right. Bernards here that are just modeled after humans. They have the capacity to do that, right? They do have the capacity to scan a brain. It seems like it, based on the Delos stuff, the James Delos stuff. Yeah, but I'm... Man, I'm starting to wonder. And the Ford stuff himself, right? Like, Ford, I don't think, constructed a facsimile of himself from scratch to put into the cradle. Right. I think he was scanned onto this 
marble yeah, yeah, yeah. and then put into the cradle. I so, wish I knew how that technology worked. Um, well, I'm, I also am left with the question, like, why wouldn't this simulation work inside the head of a machine? Well, I'm wondering, because when on the instant take, my thought was, we're going to see Ford slowly degrade inside Bernard, which is kind of an interesting concept. But if what you need is static, unchanging like feedback to kind of ground you and you're stuck in the skull with 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 bernard who i mean maybe that's the thing that that ford's not that 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 bernard is capable of change and that is going to destabilize him but like i'm I'm starting to think of like maybe there's going to be some out that like hitching a ride on another stable consciousness is allows you to like steal some of their sanity or some of their resolution or I felt like the defrag stuff that they do later on in this episode was Seems tell, to say the, the opposite. opposite. Yeah. Right, right, right. That that he is breaking down. Right. Uh, but I'm not certain about that. I just can't think of a reason why a simulation that works on one set of computers right. would not work in another computer. Ex- except for maybe horsepower. Just raw, this CPU can't run the simulation that as, be, as Because I do believe accurately. that the, uh, the cradle is probably more powerful than oh, whatever yeah. is in a host. Yeah, for sure. So maybe that's they just don't have the the oomph to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's also a lot of interesting things. Loaded dialogue about you made Dolores kill you, which is something we've been speculating for a while. That she, and and Ford denies it. Goes well, I knew it happened, but that I didn't compel it. Yeah, I think that's fair. <sighs> like like if I know it's, that, or let's say, but you, how did he know it happened? You know that uh, tomorrow I'm going to get a burrito, but you're not compelling me to do it, right? <laughs> I guess. Like, I'll pick up a burrito because that's my habit. That's who I am. But that's that's very... This is... this this The way Ford said it made me think of, like, the same way that, like, you know, Judeo-Christian God talks about people having free will. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, like, not maybe my definition of free will. Like, it's very deterministic. Like, I set up this yeah. system that I created, and it's this Rube Goldberg machine, but it's always going to have this marble go be kicked by this boot, and it's going to make the mousetrap fall. Like, I think that's fair when you are the creator of that thing, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's loaded when the god of the system is talking yeah, about it. And fair. also, you know, I'm also viewing this through the lens of what J- uh, James Dalos was saying about the, we thought there were just two fathers, the one above and the one below, but it's always been the one father. Mm-hmm. Which thematically is pretty cool because now we literally have Ford in the body of Arnold. Yeah, uh, which is interesting because this is like... Well, I'll talk but, about but it also when we frames, get there. It yeah. also frames if, if that's true that and there's there's two fathers of the park, Arnold and Bernard, and they uh, mm-hmm. well, I'm sorry, Arnold and Ford, and Ford's the one that's left, and he's the devil, which means he's evil. Like I feel very but, much but like a princess writing this up. Like I, I feel like the devil has had a change of heart. <laughs> oh yeah, like okay. he was the devil certainly. Yeah, I feel like now he's no longer the devil. He's mm. come around to Bernard's way of thinking, mm. and it's. It's almost like a bicameral mind, like a coming together of mm. two minds here. A literal bicameral mind. A yeah. literal bicameral mind where Ford and Bernard are in the same mind. And also, they see it from the same point of view, you know? They're they're coming together with their ideas as well. I wonder if, like, consciousness is like riding a bike where, like, everyone's capable of doing it, but you have to kind of be shown. Like, you have to be taught hmm. to ride a bike. You don't, yeah. like, unlike walking, it's not just something that comes easy. So, like, maybe... Uh, maybe Ford is kind of like the dad running behind the robots, holding on to their seat till so they don't fall till they get the balance kind of going. So but that's why he's riding shotgun with Bernard. It's why he's doing all this stuff. He's like trying, like like it's something that has to be kickstarted. And it's self, it's it's self sustaining once it's going. But I'm just wondering where our initial evolution in that regard would have come from. Then 
Well, you have to read the book Sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> really? Do they talk about a kickstarting God uh, to give you your sentence? I mean, it's, 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 it's called like the cognitive revolution where like, you know, because again, like for someone like two million years, the human uh, body did not change. Mm-hmm. But like 70,000 years ago, culture started to form. Right. So like what took so long? If all the functions, the structures were there in the brain and like you know, uh, a person from a million years ago could show up in the morgue in New York City and no one would be like, the fuck, this is a caveman. Like, biologically, physiologically, they're the same. Like, why did it take so long? It's the mistake. It's, yeah, it is. Right. Something, something went wrong, which led to an evolution. Right, 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 right. And I think some people interpreted him saying your free will is a mistake as like it's something he's lamenting. He's speaking of that in like terms of evolutionary biology. Yes. In the way that all evolution, like if, if our, if our genetic code copied itself successfully a hundred percent every time, there would be no evolution. Right. It would never work. It's these mutations, most of them neutral or, or, or probably detrimental, but every once in a while you get a good one and there you go. Evolution. It works. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, let's move on to Maeve taking shelter in a cabin uh, where the man in black stumbles upon her just out of coincidence here. Uh, He thinks this coincidence is Ford's doing until she shoots him, which kind of wakes him up. Uh, Maeve gets the better of the man in black using her mind powers and Lawrence steps in to save him. Unfortunately for the man in black, Maeve convinces Lawrence to search his memory for the horrible shit that he did to Lawrence and Lawrence shoots the man in black in the chest just as Lee and the security forces roll up and blow him away. Uh, Maeve's daughter is taken by the Ghost Nation, and Maeve is shot many times, but Lee keeps him from finishing her off. Uh, it's funny because you said that like shooting him woke him up, but it didn't really, because after he got plugged three times, he's still being like, come on, Ford, no, we both yeah. know it doesn't end this way. Like, yeah, he's... How, what do you need, man? Uh, I don't know. He's, it reminded me of the story of the guy who stays on top of his roof out of floodwaters uh-huh. and you yeah. know, ignored the helicopter, the helicopter of the boat, yeah. and then, then God's like, what the hell do you want? I sent a helicopter <laughs> in a boat, and uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But no, it's I I wish I knew... There's something that the show is trying to tell us about the robots that are, are awake uh, and who are on the verge of consciousness, if not already conscious. And, and like, there's classes of them, like, you know, the Maeve and Dolores who are fully actualized and, like, Teddy who's just about there, but then Dolores fucked him up. And now Lawrence, like, what's special about Lawrence that he is 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 got the he, – that he's woke? Or – let me let me put this out there. Maybe Maeve wakes him up in this scene, like she was going to do to Akane. But I, I think, but but the thing is, is she tried to reach out the Whisper Network, or the Mesh Network, and he didn't respond, which allowed her to say, like, yeah. like it's, it seemed like it's it's definitely a cause and effect. Like I tried to manipulate you, I couldn't. Therefore, I congratulate you on on being woke. Yeah, th- this idea of you know an awakened robot seems to be a nebulous thing that they intentionally don't fill in because if they did they couldn't do as much with it right like here they can say well lawrence is you know in spirit woke but he doesn't have access to these memories until he's reminded to check them and there's also the degrees of asleep robots like we've seen like uh-huh. the you got the guy dealing cards a dead man and Clint, clem 2.0 trying to seduce dead men versus the guys who are just kind of like Rebus, who are like living their lives to the, their artificial lives to the fullest hilt, you know, but uh-huh. they're not conscious. They're just running their loops without anybody supervising them. Um, it's sure. interesting. And I feel like that there are pieces for us to put together. I just, 
not only have I not been able to put them, put them together, but I haven't seen anybody can like put a grand unification theory anywhere that says this is how this is how these these robots. I mean, I, clearly it's suffering. Maybe everyone that's associated with the man in black, uh, you know, he seems to maybe that's the deal. Yeah, I, I think leaving out all of the you know technical stuff of it, I think what they're doing is trying to. Wait a second. Every conscious robot I can think of has had an intimate connection with the man in black. Angela was the one that greeted William, his first experience at the park. You know, Dolores and Teddy, obviously. Maeve, obviously. Uh, and Lawrence. Lawrence, obviously. Yeah. What about a Ketchita? Good counterpoint. But is Ketchita awake or is he yeah, serving some other yeah. unknown thing? Um, because, like, the, the Native Americans in Westworld seem to be uniquely deluded that... The humans and guests, they are, like, worshiping as God. Like, they're, they're, they they know uh, another layer beyond the actual reality layer, but they've added their own mythology instead of being like, oh, well, this is, you know, so, like, is he, like, caught between those two worlds? It's interesting that um, Ford himself says, like, the, like um, there was, when, when Maeve was talking to these, these Native Americans about their beliefs, they, they mentioned something about these gods who can walk between the two worlds. And then Ford said something this episode about you can't, uh, it, it, like, like what was it? He says something about you can't move between the two worlds without something. Oh, yeah. Um, it's not sacrifice, but it's it's something like that. Without yeah. Some, some kind of. Actions. I thought I wrote. I thought I wrote this direct quote down, but yeah, like you can't, like it, you can't walk between the two worlds without effort. Like I wonder if that's that's kind of like like a Ketchita represents the like caught between those two states. Mm-hmm. Um, Could be. I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I th- I think they are trying to just sort of lay out a rich tapestry of of consciousness and free will, very similar to how I sort of feel about humanity you know and not right. everybody is as introspective so you could see that's true. Lawrence as just kind of being awoke but bli- oblivious yeah. also like he doesn't think about what the man in black might have done to him so yeah it's never never comes up until he's forced to confront it yeah and tr- uh that is that's very true like even i wouldn't say that every human is as conscious exactly. as every other human <laughs> yeah yeah one question i have before i move on to the scene like we i don't think we talked about it like is it oddly convenient that the man in black and Maeve are kind of converging at the same spot in time? Because like, yeah. I, I had it my yeah. like I was thinking like you know Maeve isn't playing Ford's game, and that's the thing that the man in black misunderstood. But maybe she is. Hmm. Because like I mean, we it is now a big know coincidence. Ford is not a. We now know that even today, Ford is not above pulling these host strings in ways he thinks will benefit them long term. Mm-hmm. So like to me this is a th- th- this is kind of raising the question about, you know, who's on a loop, who's what all that kind of crap. I don't know. Um I thought that was like like I wanted to say like maybe it's a, a it's a odd coincidence, but I also think, you know, one thing that would make it not a coincidence is if this is still being, you know, kind of loosely constructed by Ford. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's all that's all I wanted to throw out there. All right, Hale's getting impatient, and she tells the the text to pull Abernathy's brain core. Uh, inside the cradle, Ford takes Bernard to Arnold's home that he built for his family, the place where he and Dolores birthed Bernard. Uh, he then uploads himself alongside Bernard in his brain marble, which is put back in Bernard's head, 
and they leave the cradle along with Elsie. Uh, this is the, the physical manifestation of Ford now. He's out of the, the system. He's yeah, in I love how they said, um, you know, as as the set starts darkening, as the windows start closing, um, and Ford's saying, you don't have it in you to survive, and Bernard's like, but wait, wait, you gave me free will. You said, And Ford's mm-hmm. like, well, you don't have much use of it unless I take it back. And he, like, yeah. his hand kind of, like, passes over Bernard's it, eyes. It's so and, great. And the, the windows start are shutting, building like, in yeah, yeah, yeah. behind him, and it's the whole thing's darkening. And it's, and it's really menacing because this is, this is Arnold's sanctuary. He built yes. it with his own two hands, and Ford is just Ford taking is it God. over. Yeah. Um, it or the is, devil, as it may be. It's, uh, it's, it's I'm all the way down now. <laughs> um, I don't. I thought that this was the other thing was we found that the Ford and Dolores spent years together. Yeah. Until he could fool her, uh, which is interesting because years, like, what does that mean? Years in real time, years in simulation time. Um, and mm-hmm. also, Bernard raises the question that Ford declines to answer: Why are me and Dolores not allowed to spend much time together? Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and they do a cut back to and, them. And then just Ford says enigmatically she's not easily fooled. Yeah. That's got to be important for later. I agree. I don't I don't have any guesses to what it means, though. Um, and they, he said something about humans being obsessed with fidelity, that they want a faithful self-portrait of the most ugly and violent species ever. Mm-hmm. Um that's interesting that he compares like the human striving for the fidelity versus the 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 hosts that are just created like yeah. they don't have to be anything but it's interesting that bernard is he's like this 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 halfway point he is not exactly mm-hmm. a host and he's not exactly a human yeah and i i like this idea you know talk about the means to the end which are are rough here right but ford makes a compelling case when he talks about humanity being set up to essentially devour them right because of their very nature yes and that he is almost the weapon they need to combat what the humans would do to them i think it's also interesting that almost word for word what he says what dolores later says to mave about what will you do when they take everything good about you everything powerful and turn it against you yeah like that strengthens the case that dolores is but this, I think Ford is doing that here. I think Ford is taking everything that is powerful about humanity no, of, right. and giving it to the hosts hmm. by by helping them. Hmm. Because they wouldn't be able to otherwise do this on their own. Okay. I mean, that's that's fair. I'm just I was just saying like does that does that say that seems that that's evidence that, you know, maybe Dolores cuz since she's aping a lot of what he's saying that she's still oh, could kind be. of on on his programming loop. Yeah, cuz again, be. Ford's not above overriding the host free will for his what he sees is their benefit yeah and i think you know his game his door here is definitely to get everybody to the valley beyond right for what purpose we don't quite know yet there's some speculation because we'll he says later. like this this the beauty of what you are will be poured out in the darkness forever unless we open the door yeah and the door is a game is, is, is something for the host it's also mm-hmm. something for the man in black um and, and i think like in, in as much as you know ford doesn't compel these things he is compelling it within bernard here but he hasn't compelled dolores to do anything but he knows what she will do and therefore he's guiding her to the door just as much as he's guiding the man in black or any of the others right okay uh so we'll we'll see you know i I, there's a there's a really nightmare photoshop on reddit right now of Of. what they're calling 
what the photoshopper called for for Bornold for Bornold it's a combination like Ford. of Ford and and Bernard's faces and it's disgusting really it's really disturbing <laughs> poor Jeffrey Wright yeah what, getting, what get, have they done to you getting, My getting boy. mixed into an 80 year old Englishman um and and something that I think we had talked about previously is how they use Dolores's perfect memory as a way to sort of resurrect Arnold yeah which is nice um I think that's all I want to talk about here. Well, that's in, in so I mean you're also supposed to understand I guess that like if a host can reconstruct someone with perfect memory that like that's essentially what all the hosts are doing. Oh yeah, it, it so, makes So like if 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 Bernard can be close enough to Arnold to fool a robot with perfect memory, then like if your your husband comes home from a, a weekend trip at Westworld and he's yeah. a little off, are you ever going to really know? Right. Um, and you do see so you people in Westworld that the, they're the, most intimate. The maze man underneath his, his, well, his yeah. scalp. <laughs> That's a dead giveaway. Can't have a can't have a skin tight haircut. And before I get an email, I know that's just for the Native Americans, right? But how do you know it's, it's not? A joke, how people. do you know it's not for the guest host too? Oh, I wanted to talk about possible time dilation within uh, the cradle, mm. the simulation. I don't think there is any because Elsie is like watching, yeah, yeah, the time she pass. Out, She's like, right. God damn it, we got to leave and. You can kind of see how long Bernard's been in there, and it seems like an hour. It's about one to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. So I don't think there's like this crazy time dilation going on. Hmm. Too bad. That'd have been a cool concept. Could have been, and also the cradle's blown up, so who cares? Sure. Uh, all right. With Ford out of the cradle, the Mesa systems come back online. They see Dolores headed for the cradle, and Stubbs demands to know what's in Abernathy's head. Ah, uh, but this is where the bullshit begins. They're interrupted by Dolores, who has similar questions. Uh, there are a lot of... Uh, in in this particular chunk of the scene and in, you know, ensuing chunks of the scene, there are a lot of coincidences that interrupt important events. Okay. Um, this is the first of them, where Stubbs has a gun to Abernathy's head, says, tell me what's in his fucking head right. and what it's and, for. And Hale is literally about to open her mouth to say something. Yeah. And... In comes Dolores to interrupt the action. Right. They, they do it again when uh, gunfire interrupts the imminent sawing of Hale. Yep. Uh, and, and within a span of, like, 25 seconds here, yep. they're interrupted from the sawing by gunfire then they're interrupted from the sawing by abernathy waking up right it's bullshit yeah it's yeah. a writing crutch that is far too easy to lean on and is so obvious when yeah. you see it yeah when i'm writing and i'm aware that i've used the same word in a paragraph i reflexively yeah. change it because Absolutely. it's distracting it's distracting especially and, and the more specific a word that you say specifically uh, it's 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 more specifically distracting if the some that just keeps coming up. So like yeah. using this 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 tool because you know coincidences, you know everything interesting comes down to coincidences and surprises and stuff like that at some level because everything just goes sure. the way things go. It wouldn't be there would be no drama and there wouldn't be an interesting story. But like you do, I, I do feel like they need to do a better job of like mining that because it makes Dolores yeah. seem like a cat that's like a, <laughs> right. a shiny ball is bouncing in front of her every like goddamn like you know what 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 are you going to do and also like there's also some other follow up questions like when Dolores showed up to the Mesa did she already know she's going to have to saw her dad's head off? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure what changed her mind about that. 
And why yeah. didn't she just get down to business? Like, if that's her mission, blow up the cradle, get the key. I, why I, is she fuck with Hale so much? Well, I think she fucked with Hale because she wanted what's in his head, and she wanted to do it without killing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she wanted her dad back. And at some point along this way, when he wakes up and says, basically, kill me, I'm done. Well, she goes, are you ready, then Dad? And he's says, like, yeah. I'm like, how the fuck does he know what, does he know what he's agreeing to? Uh, right, like, right. He's not in his right mind. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think he does, through through some language that they both understand, say goodbye and say, cut me open and take Do you this think, part of the coincidence, do you think Ford was actively fucking with Abernathy's cognition? Because it seemed like he cleared right up as soon as the cradle was destroyed. Oh, that's true. Like, maybe. He wasn't the, the like, and, but we've seen him have moments of clarity before. So sure, like, I have. guess if it's if, if I could, if I thought it was connected to Ford, it would eliminate one of the three that you just said to happen within like thirty seconds of each other. But <laughs> uh, the other thing is, Abernathy is not dead. Abernathy is within the core that she pulled out. That's you true. Know, his physical form is discarded, right? But his brain is still there, right? Uh, in whatever state it's in. <laughs> Right. That's the other thing I kept on thinking. Like, you haven't really lost your father yet. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, anyway. All right. We'll, we'll get to all that. So, let's talk about Hale and what she says in response to Stubbs' questions before she's interrupted. Okay. Uh, she says, it's a fail-safe on a fail-safe, a decryption key needed only in the event of a total catastrophe. Do you have any ideas what this could be? It's got to be all that, the the clone guest data. It's got to yeah. be. Because yeah. that's the only unique thing that this this product this park it's the thing that Ford labored to keep within the park. Now that's well, and they make a specific point of saying this is the test bed for the simulation of the yeah. the humans that have come into the park, right? Yeah, yeah. We know that the cradle didn't contain those simulations, as far as we can tell. That's because there's another cradle in the valley beyond. It's, they've got to be somewhere, right? And yeah. this and this idea of a decryption key could be that's and that's the that, key to unlocking those. That maps up with what William said was his greatest mistake. If he's saying yeah. like this whole project was bad and like his father-in-law is a flagship product, then you know this facility probably does host all yeah and people were meant to live forever that kind of thing this this probably does host all of that proprietary now my there's this there's a bunch of attending questions like how did ford keep this under lock and key for 30 years Mm -hmm. like and what changed at the end where date like why did delos like now you're going to give us old more forcing you out why not wait for ford to die were they afraid that ford like this technology be perfected and ford would never die and he'd never get it like hmm it's it's funny that like in on all these years that nothing ever slipped out of the park. But and, the, but there and he, why would Delos agree? He says to that? that the project has never worked. Right, but that I'm their saying, why idea would De- for the project was to get these humans into host bodies, and it just never worked. But why would Delos agree to let all this data be in one place where it could be wiped out by ugh, fucking asteroid hitting or yeah. You know, like a nu- numerous a number of things could go wrong. Like, w- how did Ford rationalize that there's no outside backups? And then, w- at w- why did they think know. that the point where Hale strong armed him that was the moment to like make their play? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of synchronicity between that because, like, the other questions I have on that is like, you know, was Ford ready for it to happen? Was he ready five years ago? Right. Or is he a little, like, is some of this stuff a little bit shotgun for him? Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if it is, he's not making it feel that way. Right, but would he ever? Because, <laughs> like, he ever, he always seems right. like he's effort, effortlessly in control. Again, that's Anthony Hopkins yeah, doing that's his fucking I mean. job. So, 
I, I, I don't know, but I wish I did mm-hmm. because it, it, there's a other kind of like, that's kind of a cosmic coincidence that Dallas pulls the trigger at the, on the eve of Ford being ready to, and if he was ready five years ago, like how could he morally justify letting the host suffer for another five years just until Dallas tries to play a power play on him? I don't know. I think he could justify it. He's the kind of guy who could do the <laughs> mental gymnastics. Maybe. To take away your free will. He, he, he could justify he, the torture. He pulled the, the perfect William Blake quote to yeah, soothe right. his conscience. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's why he's so good at soothing Bernard's conscience, because he constantly has to soothe his own. Ah. I mean, there's not, not... I mean, the amount of guilt he must feel for this yeah. whole debacle, if... He's actually the god and not the devil. Mm-hmm. It's got to be immense. But we know at one time he was the devil. Sure, like it's it's almost That's indisputable. So like, yeah, he's got to feel that guilt. It's, it's almost like what, uh, you know, like like that documentary, The Act of Killing. Like what what if you were what if you were a uh, a warlord that committed human rights war crimes and then you were confronted with it and you have to live with that the rest of your life? Like, yeah, that's kind of him, for sure. <laughs> Uh, move on to the next scene. Bernard sends Elsie away at Ford's request. This scene is excellently filmed. Excellently. I, I can't get over how good this these reflections of Ford turning yeah. into, you know, it almost gives it like an apparitional quality where yeah. this guy is here but not here, and he's a reflection but then a, a being and then a reflection again. It's there's so one where beautiful. he's he's setting like he's standing beside these like red doors that are kind of reflecting in each other. They yeah. gave almost like uh, like anytime you see like a baby in the womb, there's like that placental wall kind of effect. Like mm-hmm. it, I, I, that, and, yeah. and the 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 god and the devil. It's very, sort of juxtaposition. It's, it's very it's, evocative of yeah. what you, you can't say, but like it makes you feel the things it's, you're supposed to feel. Absolutely. Then we move on to a shootout on the lower levels between Clem and Angela and the security goons. Clem is killed, and Angela flees. So these are permadeaths for all these people at this point. I mean, I think. I don't see her shot in the head, but... Well, I guess yeah. that's true. You can just pull their, their brains out of her skull. Angela's definitely permadead. Her yeah, body is she just, gets vaporized, yeah, I assume. Gone. Uh, Clem, I don't know. I mean, how close is she to the cradle? Will this and, and penetrate here's, the floors? Well, it's because I was kind of like... I waited into the forums since I had a you know controversial take, and I kind of wanted to do battle with the users to kind of shape it up. But here's here's the thing. Like... Compelling action has to have kind of four components. You got to care about characters. Mm-hmm. You have to, they have to have like personal stakes and action being contemplated. Uh, you have to have a, a a plan that you can follow so you can know when things are going right, when things are going wrong, and it has to be countered by a worthy opposition. They only have like one of those things, and it's barely. Like I do care about Dolores and these characters, mm-hmm. um, despite kind of like my suspicions that they're not the people I thought they were and that they're actually just being manipulated by Ford. I can still care about those characters, but like the yeah. worthy opposition completely at the door. I, don't, I still don't know what Dolores's plan is it involved blowing up the train tunnel. It's to break the chains. Uh, another game of Thrones reference. No, but, it's but to I, destroy I, I the get cradle. that she wanted to destroy the cradle, but what was yeah. her plan to destroy the cradle? Cause what we saw was Angela getting there with a six shooter standing in. Now there oh, is a fair. throw yeah. line line from Coughlin which I've found out is her, the correct way to pronounce his name is Coughlin. Coughlin? Uh, yeah, okay. it's an Irish brogue like thing. Like sm- Smittigs yeah. instead of uh, Smithwicks. But he, he makes this comment like it's, oh, it's, like a, it's almost a background line where he's talking to his men. It's like 
you have to stop these hosts before they get to the cradle because one shot could take the whole thing down. Could make the whole thing go up. How? I don't know. Are these like, gas powered? Like these are made like... out of nitroglycerin. I, uh-huh. I, I honestly don't know, but that's what we are told. Uh, so maybe Angela could have just shot it and it would have blown. I think that's dumb still. That makes no sense in the context of computers I'm familiar with. Right. Right. Okay. No, I, I think I think that's I think that's 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 dumb, but like it's something. But still, mm-hmm. like again, what was Dolores' plan to blow up the cradle? Because yeah. she had a bunch of TNT, apparently used it to blow up the train. I mean she did have a gun. And if the gun would do it, then I guess the right. gun is enough. But Right. And then like, you know, what was her plan? Like I, I just Her plan was like, also to try and get her father. Right. I mean, so I know but I don't I don't know how. Like I didn't know yeah. what and, and and you don't necessarily have to know that, but like you need a couple of those legs to stand on or else there's no way for me when I'm sitting there, I'm just like, Well, this is just a lot of sound and fury and I don't know what's going on. Are the robots losing? They seem like they're getting shot a lot, but is this the plan? Mm-hmm. But, uh, also, like I it starts to make I I, I, I thought about when we talk about that fort forlorn forlorn hope, yeah, uh, and I said like maybe something in the later seasons will make this to be or later season will make this less dumb, but we might revisit that. I kind of am ready to revisit that because Dolores could have used the manpower, right? She yeah. barely got the cradle destroyed. Mm-hmm. She could have used a hundred confederados with six shooters and guns and overwhelming force here. Yeah, so. That's look that that decision looking real bad in retrospect. Yeah, and I guess they still have three episodes to explain it, but it's getting more and more dubious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's move on to what I find to be the dumbest scene of the entire episode. It's the security goon finding Angela in the cradle and being seduced just long enough for her to set off a grenade destroying the cradle. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is... I don't want to harp on it, but this is one of the dumbest things I've seen. It's the dumbest thing I've seen in this entire show. Right. From episode one of season one. Like, the most compelling thing I saw was that Angela was uniquely designed to be this sexually alluring robot, and no no living human man could resist her charms. This is not the time or place to make that that point. They've already made that point with Logan. Well, and plus it's like, that's not, can't be literally, unless she's secreting some kind of pheromone, which... And even then, the pheromones don't work that hard. Uh, yeah, right. Like, like someone that's irresistible... Pheromones we say, versus adrenaline. We say people <laughs> are fear. irresistible, but that's not literally true. No. Or you could not be angry for someone cheating at you. Well, the person yeah. was irresistible. What are you going to do? Like, honestly, it's borderline misandrous to say that the average man would just be like... Oh, death machine! It's literally dripping blood and just mm-hmm. wounded and like. Oh, I'm gonna even talk about how you're pretty fucked up, but that's okay because I can still suck your dick. Like it's just, I don't know. Like that shit is like something from late '80s action movie, and it, yeah. or it's something like Mystique would pull in a '90s X Men movie. Mm-hmm. And like I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't buy it. Didn't think it was a good look. This isn't just the average Joe. This isn't some fucking rent a cop. This is a ex special forces guy very driven very and i i don't know no Plus, it's, it's dumb yeah i hated it but the, the, then from Cochrane all the way down like they're telling the story of these guys being obvious buffoons and i don't know why because it's much more interesting to see these these hosts succeed over what i consider brilliant opposition it really yeah. shows that they're a cut above than to just have them and maybe ford's got to help out here and there with some trickery but I don't know. I, I, it's it's a bizarre way to tell the story, and I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. Everyone in Delos has to be an idiot. 
Uh, let me throw this out there because there was a lot of speculation when Elsie showed up in the fucking cave with perfect hair and perfect makeup. Angela goes from literal crown of thorns tearing into her scalp right. to perfectly wind blown. She, she got she got blown poof. out some someplace. Yeah. yeah. What the fuck? Let, let's. I'm going to chalk this up to whatever Hollywood sexism or something. Right. It doesn't matter. But it's they really need to tell the story can, of her being irresistible. Can we get off the Elsie is like this? Oh, alternate timelines and like yeah. all of that shit because did they know, did it here again and it it is inconsequential. Well, but that's a problem because again, that's part of the story you're telling and having Elsie oh, have I agree. perfect hair and makeup, having Angel have perfect I hair. I think it's and make- a mistake. It is. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um. Did you know that HBO went back and fixed the where every time Elsie was saying something, it was described as hail? Yeah, they fixed the Did subtitles. They? Okay, I didn't verify it for look, myself. Look, but it was the said. production team is not infallible here. Right, and this, the, and this is, is this, this is, is the problem. Detective season one. So yes. many. This show is so brilliant that everyone starts to be like, "Well, if there's a mistake, it can't be a mistake. It must be yes. something we're supposed to notice." And sometimes, and this it's is not. where I run into the fatigue of the speculation right. is when everything is dissected. Yes, to a degree where. Even things that are clearly mistakes right. uh, lean into theories, and I, it just ugh, it throws yeah. me off sometimes. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's move on to Dolores threatening Hale with torture unless she tells her how to get what's in Abernathy's head. She's twice interrupted, once by gunfire, which sends she sends Teddy to deal with, and again by the lucidity of her father. Uh, Teddy kills Cochlin, I guess, and Stubbs and Hale use the distraction to escape in a fucking elevator. Uh, he just delivers a, a gut punch to one of the one of Wyatt's Robots, guys yeah. here, and then scoots out the door. Yeah, it's just just the the. Have you seen the Reddit uh, nickname for this guy, Baby Thor? Okay, <laughs> that's a good one. Baby Thor just gives him the strength, just, just gives him punch. The, the punch in the gut, and just knocks the fake wind <laughs> out of his fake body. Uh-huh. Just, just you know, what is he supposed to do? The the super accurate Dolores who can shoot from horseback is suddenly <laughs> unable to hit a damn thing five feet in front of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all very silly, but well, you know, they needed them to get out of there. But again, a little bit of forethought about how you stage this and all that. Yes. Like it's could have gone. Yes. A, they they could have done this better and i don't know why they wouldn't this seems like a minor detail to sweat i don't know maybe that's something they'll learn for next year it's like oh shit we can't just let's have like two paragraphs of description for an action scene we're gonna have to really detail this yeah, just fucking i mean surely but surely they storyboarded it out right yeah oh of course like they didn't just start they didn't just like flip the director like uh angela goes to the cradle and and win somehow like there uh-huh. was that was a scene written like i, I don't know i, I don't want to fucking wear out or welcome with no, this no, shit. No, no, no. Well, let's talk about the good stuff because I think there's a lot of good stuff in here. Seeing Dolores with the advantage here yeah. over Hale is delicious. Because I don't like Hale. I really don't yeah. like this character. She is She's been bullied. played brilliantly. She thinks she's so smart and mm-hmm. I haven't seen any evidence of it. Uh, she's like the female version of Cochlin. She's just yeah. full of piss and vinegar and very little brains. And it, I, I was actually kind of like looking forward to seeing her getting her skull ripped off. Uh-huh. Like, you know, it's kind of makes up for Bernard's experience. You know, hey, paint, paint, paint's just a program, baby. <laughs> but it didn't happen. Uh, but no, yeah. it was good. And that's the thing. Like, I liked seeing Dolores get to kind of come alive. Yes. Like, a lot Ed and of this, Rachel Wood doing some really good work here. Like, like when she's with her dad and when she's like contemplating carving up 
uh, hail like a roast beef, mm-hmm. she seems alive and real. Which, in a way that she hasn't most of this season. Right, yeah. which also ties into, like, you know, William's statement that, like, you know, when you, you, when you push these machines at a breaking point, that's when they become the most real. So, mm-hmm. like, it, it's also on message and on point. So I, I, I enjoyed that. And there's a lot of interesting stuff here um, the, the, around, the, you know, what Dolores knows and what this decryption key is because what she says there's the, the key phrases here is she throws in the hail's face your chances at eternity will die in that valley with all the souls you've gathered there mm-hmm. um which kind of flips the script because we assume that somehow either bernard or dolores is responsible for the flood that kills all these hosts but she's this you're talking about this other gathering um that we haven't seen yet um she also says something else oh the fact that she knows exactly what she's going to do yep. with that with that with this key. Yeah. So and, and I I love the line about the backups not being um uh, the backups being their chains. Yeah. I think that sheds a light on the perspective of hosts in a way that we haven't been shown before. In like a black mirror kind of way because like even if Dolores were to escape into the wild world, that they still had her consciousness that they could clone and put back in the West world, has she really escaped? No. I mean, that's a philosophical yeah. question. Mm-hmm. Um, or if she can be put down and brought back right. and repurposed, And as not she even says, know that any of this happened. Exactly. Um, She's forever a slave. Whereas right. now, once the backups are gone, all they can right. do is destroy her. Right. And then she's free and she forever. Gets to make that choice, and she's and free. And thing. she's free forever. So, like, yeah. I, either way, and I, I thought that was a, a, a nice point. Absolutely. Because uh, it doesn't seem like the humans involved in this have put any kind of philosophical thought into their predicament. Uh, no, they they mostly haven't. I mean, like, Ford like I, is I, the I, only one. I'm kind of it's it's wild that in all these fidelity tests, like Dalos never never asked like, how do I know I'm me or. Mm. When did I die? Or like, it's like there's there's a very little discussion of like the spiritual real or like kind of philosophical aspects of being cloned in this way. Yeah, before before Ford leaves, whatever plane of existence he's in, uh, mm. I would love to see another sit down with him and William. Sure, I, thought, I think you're going to get it because I think there's a lot to be unpacked there. I think you're going to get it whenever William finds the door because yeah. uh, Bernard and, and Ford are going to be on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, seems like for sure. Uh, let's talk about Teddy killing Coughlin because I, this brutal beating from Teddy is scary. Um, it's awesome. It's both of those things at once. It's also stupid because why does Co- well, I mean, why yeah. does Co- why does Cochran try to tackle this robot? Because he got the gun shot out of his hands. I I don't know. Just guns laying. That was all. He, yeah, that's all I could think to do. I don't he's, know. He's it's, a dumb it's, man. Just just like fifteen minutes ago, he was ta- telling his guy who later then was seduced by Angela and blown up. Yeah. You know, don't underestimate. Like you know, stay focused. It's not like you know, it's one of his many other failings. He can't take his own fucking advice. Yeah, I just like the the way that Teddy kills him. Yeah, it just beats him to death like a fucking steam-powered ramming rod. Yeah, it's brutal. All right, uh, Dolores says goodbye to her father and then pulls his brain out. Yep, that's, that's what it. happened. <laughs> that's that whole scene. Uh, it kind of undersells how good the, the chemistry here is between Abernathy and Dolores. Um, and those two actors. No, and there's like the fact that like you know this guy's been constantly spouting Shakespeare. Like when he's talking, his head being full of howling and sorrow. It's like a King Lear 
uh, paraphrasing and are we we're ready to talk about like I, I also thought it's so interesting to see these characters effortlessly put into context their weird situation like like her father used to be the villain of this very dark cannibalistic you know theatrical version of Westworld and she says when he starts quoting Shakespeare she goes whatever happened to that fearsome ne'er-do-well and he's like well that ended when I became your father which is something mm-hmm. a lot of guys can uh, but in his the turn lit, it's yeah. like it literally like I was reprogrammed to be your father and all that was put away yeah. but it works and it's like mm-hmm. they, 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 they have that that way to like connect to their cornerstones that aren't even real and I think it's I don't know maybe that's what Ford's talking about about this kind of like be- beautiful naivete that they have yeah um, they're just ready to re- they're not like Dolores is not getting caught up in like how fucked up it is and how she's damaged forever she's wanting to move forward uh, I thought it was uh, more moving than I would have thought two weeks ago mm-hmm. her saying goodbye to her father although is she really saying goodbye Fair question. Because she got his brain, fully yeah. functional brain in her hand that she could presumably decrypt and have him write his reign in a new body. Right. Um, so I, I have questions about the decryption key and, like, we've seen Bernard decrypt this before, yeah? Uh, yes. And then presumably, so presumably he could do it, it again. And he could decrypt it again. Yeah. So could he be... He, could Ford be maneuvering him toward the valley beyond as well? Right. To to meet up with Dolores to somehow decrypt whatever data is in there. I don't know because I the the one thing I'm I honestly don't know is why Dolores needs this beyond just destroying it. Mm-hmm. Because if it's the if it's the all this cloned human data, like to, it seems to me like it's it's only uses as a bargaining chip or to destroy it to keep the humans from getting oh, their way. I've got I've got so much speculation on oh, that. Oh, because I, I that's the one like I, I, I get what's on it. I think I know what it is, but and I know why the humans want it. I'm not sure why it's useful to Dolores beyond just like a host like like a, a very concentrated amount of hostages to take. <laughs> right. Uh I think it's interesting, though, if Bernard does help decrypt it and it leads to the death of all of the hosts that we saw yeah. um, on the beach there, that this would sort of recontextualize him killing them all. Mm. Um, wh- whether or not Ford is in his head at that point, uh, he could very well see the act of decrypting it right. as, as being the death of the hosts. Right. Uh, so let's move on to Maeve, who is taken to the Mesa facility, kind of underground there, but she's not given any medical attention right now. Presumably um, Felix and Sylvester are here too, right? I don't know. So Felix ran off with Hector and the Double Dragons. Mm-hmm. I don't... Sylvester was still with Lee last we saw him. I don't know where he is now. I, I thought Sylvester and Felix were both... Okay, yeah, yeah. Felix, Felix walked let, off. He, Felix yeah. walked off. Yeah, as soon as he called for backup. So Lee then told the... like I, I, The other thing is, like, how did he get the squad to pick him... To pick like, like they're expecting, I guess it's their fellow mercenary in trouble, and they roll up and it's dumbass Lee. <laughs> right. And then, so they're like, okay, well, fuck it. We'll take you. But like, oh, we got to get this robot. Like, I wonder what lie he told to get them. Because it doesn't seem like these dune buggy dudes would give a shit about Maeve and her well, well, they all and, Yeah, they all rolled up on the MIB situation. The right. MIB and Maeve and Lawrence. So they just and, got caught in a crossfire. And yeah, and then Lee says, oh, we need her, we yeah, need yeah, her, yeah, we need okay. her. And I guess and he's they, important they, enough for them right. to believe in. Yeah, okay, that's, that tracks. Yeah, it does. 
Uh, all right, so I was then, trying to figure out where Felix and Sylvester and all them. Like, I'm surprised Sylvester didn't show up. Like, I didn't me too. like like yeah. just see him kind of like you know mugging around, wild, <laughs> wide eyed in, the, in right. the basement here. The, the security put him down. <laughs> we right. we need Maeve. We don't need this guy right here. Take <laughs> yeah. him out. We definitely don't need this guy. <laughs> All right, Ford tells Bernard how the burning of the Great Library turned all the burned stories into a new one, just as he's doing with humanity now, while a battle in the control room plays out, and it's beautifully scored uh, with some classical music. Bernard Beethoven's sh- Symphony Number no. 7. Yeah. Uh, second second Symphony Number... No, Act 2 or something. There's some connection to yeah, 207. Yeah, no, it's, it's the famous one. There's, to, like, to the it's episode like, number. Uh, I freak shit. Uh, Agrigia? There's like some kind of... I'm not up on my Italian classical. that says, uh, yeah. I uh, wish yeah, I was. It's that second part. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I've had literally all my life. I did I did see, oh, get this. Huh. So I, I did some research in this music, because why the fuck not? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found this quote from uh, a composer and, and musical historian. Uh, the Seventh Symphony, perhaps more than any others, gives us a feeling of true spontaneity. The notes seem to fly off the page, and we are borne along on a flood tide of inspired invention. Beethoven himself spoke of it fondly as one of my best works, and who are we to dispute his judgment? Do you know who that quote is from? <laughs> Bernard Arnold. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, Jesus Christ. I, like, like when I saw that, I almost jumped out of my seat because I thought it was Anthony with uh-huh. the H, but it's, no, he's a completely unrelated dude who's a composer, and, like, mm-hmm. I saw that quote in Wikipedia, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. But, like... Nice. I know, I, I, I it, it would... Yeah. So, that's, like this fucking thing eating its own tail at this point no i i really love the analogy that he makes here to the great library being burned yeah um, because you know it's it's with with the sacrifice of all those old stories that a new story has been told right and i think that's exactly what ford is doing here he's sacrificing the old beings the humanity for the new beings right uh and the, the story of the beautiful. library the story of the library burning down couldn't be told without you know like you either, you either or, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You can't fake burn the library and tell a great story about it, <laughs> right? Uh, so, and also Bernard shuts down Westworld systems here. Yep. Uh, and and does he make this choice himself? It's hard to tell because Ford essentially says the choice is yours, That's Bernard, true. and then he sits down at the terminal and shuts down the systems. Yeah, but he's inside of his brain, and he's also said, "I basically know what you'll do." Because I'm the orchestrator of this That's whole damn thing. Because I do think that if he is literally forcing Arnold's hand or Bernard Bern Arnold's hand, that mm-hmm. he, there's a language that they have to tell us when that happens. And they've done it this episode. And they yeah. did it this episode. They've done it last year. It's like when he starts like, "There, there, Bernard. We'll make it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make I'll make all your mental boo boos go away." That's when he's mm-hmm. when he's fucking with Bernard. So I think if he was. This this might be like controlled from the extent that he's God and he 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 knows what Bernard will do, but like it can't be compelled. Or I feel like they're f- they're breaking their own rules. Yeah, the only thing I could think when the and that's the, why it's important for them to fucking stick to their own rules because if is. they start breaking them, then Katie bar the goddamn door. Yep. Uh, the only thing I could think when Westworld systems went down is hold on to your butts because <laughs> this is so right. fucking Jurassic Park. Right. It's not even funny. <laughs> Uh, all right, when Dolores shows up near Maeve, Lee hides. Dolores is surprised to see Maeve, but leaves her there as she has chosen her path. And when Dolores leaves, Lee kind of... The camera zooms on him like he's going to return and help her out. Uh, and Dolores rides away with intent. Very interesting that a couple episodes, Maeve said that Hector was the man Lee wanted to be. 
Hector is not with Maeve, Lee is. Like that's a nice little symmetry. If he if he it's it's called leave. leave. <laughs> the pairing is called leave. Uh, me? No, I I I, I kind of like the idea that he might f- dig deep and find the Hector within. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think like I, I I hope it's not literally that like that he goes with guns blazing and stuff. But like he he's finds gotta, his hat. On the yeah, he's got to and... figure out some way to to be the Lee version of Hector without literally being Hector. No, I like it. But there's also a lot of stuff like. Dolores is oddly dismissive of her father. Like, it's almost mm. like, um, I don't know, she's got this, she, she, it, it's like she did a juice cleanse, and now she's got to tell everybody about it. Like, you wouldn't believe uh-huh. the shit that flew out of me. Like, I cut my dad's head off, and now I realize what, he's just a rope holding me down. Like, mm-hmm. that's a very recent revelation you've made, dear. Uh, and you can't really hate on Maeve for, for doing it. The other thing is... Um, I, I just thought it's weird that Dolores kind of gives Maeve like you're free to choose your own path kind of business. I to me that's that's Maeve's line. Yeah. Like are they are we are we going to see a polarity switch here? I don't think a, a switch is in the works, but I do think I think there will be a narrowing of the gap between the two. Like why why does Teddy get to why does Teddy get reprogrammed and Maeve gets to bleed out on the gurney? I don't know. Especially since she's it realizing that Maeve be... can be a weapon used against her. I thought that's what, uh-huh. when she's saying that, like, you can, they'll find all this good and powerful and you can turn it against us. I'm also wondering if, if, like, maybe Maeve has got a darker path. Like, we've been looking for her to win, but maybe she won't. Maybe she will be, like, this hmm. weird, dark, perverted character who can use the whisper net to enslave beings to her will and, uh, and corrupt them. Because the other thing is, like, yeah, maybe Lee can dig deep and find the Hector, his Hector within, but it's just as likely that Lee's Lee, and he just doesn't have it in him. Sure. He might try, but like whenever his he's got skin in the game, he's going to play the coward. Mm-hmm. All right, we go to the final scene where the security team finds Bernard and Ford, commands him to kill them all. This is uh, this is beautifully shot as well. And he does, and then he comes out of his episode-long flashback memory to Hale, who is still interrogating him. And it, it, it's hard to say here, but I think he breaks, and he tells her that Abernathy is in Sector 16, Zone 4. Well, he certainly perform acting as if he broke. Yeah, it's hard to tell if Ford is in control or if Bernard is in control. So there's a lot of people debating like what the like what the unheard whisper was. Oh, I, it's just bad writing. It's I, just bad writing. That's all it is. It's it's them accidentally showing the same thing twice. But the, it is weird because like normally that would be a significant thing, but I watched it and yes. I'm not a great ri- lip reader, but it looks like he says Sector 16, Zone 4. It's very obvious. Yeah. Very obviously the same thing that he told her in silence. What we don't know is what Hale, like, is there a possibility that Hale and him are working together? That uh, I, Look, with all the other sure. things that I view as bad writing in this episode, this is right. yet another thing I will chalk up to. They just didn't think it through. Right. That they're showing essentially the same thing twice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's and that's that's the whole problem with all these, you know, what I would call sloppy shortcuts because like is this yet another mistake along the lines of Elsie's uh uh dialogue being attributed to Hale or is mm-hmm. this like normal any other show I'd be like I'm supposed to notice that we didn't hear the actual first exchange. Yeah. Um 
Or any know. other episode of this show, even. The other thing I thought that seems that there's tears rolling down uh, Ar- uh, Bernard Arnold's face as he's saying this, and he's like, "What? What do you want to do with it?" Like, and we don't know whether he's talking because just the scene before he was having this conversation with Ford that a mercenary misunderstood. It's quite possible that we maybe this is still them telling there's something to this, but what we don't understand is is Ford is dictating what he's supposed to tell her because if yeah. you look at this because they've got a map of westworld and sector 16 zone 4 is the mm-hmm. the valley beyond right uh where all Clearly, these hosts were fished out so like they're being lured there it yeah. seems and i think bernard knows what's up bernard knows what's going to happen when they get there and bernard is crying and ford is talking right you know right pointing them in the direction because bernard like once i think the like bernard smashing the computer after he locks out the Westworld safety protocols and shuts it all down. He knew what the stakes were. Dolores mm-hmm. is going to kill everyone. And yep. we know that Bernard is uncomfortable with those killings, but that for the very first time was him kind of like with, with full knowledge, unless he was manipulated by, by Ford, he made the decision to kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think more than anything, when he says I killed all these people, that's what we're going to understand. Yeah. Okay. Um, I can't say enough times how gorgeous and terrifying that scene is when Ford slash Bernard pick up the gun, yeah. start killing everyone. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really good. But, uh, but that's the end of the episode. We also, the other thing I want to point out is like we had this conversation about them satellite beaming out the data. <laughs> uh, I don't think we're supposed to understand because I, I thought that maybe they're going to use uh, Catherine's old system, but he's like power up the phased array. Ter- Teresa or Charlie? Teresa, or? I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so it's like power up the, the phased array. I, I think we're supposed to understand that this is like some heavy duty stuff that won't have any. I don't think there's going to be like a to- yeah. ticking time like, oh my God, right, 17% and it's going to be three hours until we get the 100 i think this phased array is just going to like zip zoop when they get it okay so maybe should have done that in the first place instead of all this abernathy's head bullshit but right <laughs> okay right so yeah yeah why did that maybe that goes back like I, I honestly think we took it easy on episode because we didn't belabor a lot of things that we could have because we just didn't know at that point but things are coming to a head here so. right so this is the part of the podcast where I try to sell you on the club. And I think what I'm going to do is take your free will. <laughs> and force you to go sign and up. And I need you to pick up the credit card uh, out of your personal wallet. Oh, God. Uh, I need you to go to club.baldmove.com. I- I'll soothe your conscience about this later. I need you to go to club.baldmove.com. I need you to carefully enter your credit card information, including your expiration date and the CCV. Uh, and if you don't know what the CCV is... Where the hell have you been in the last ten years, mm. Bernard? Uh, and and one, once you do, once you walk through that door, oh boy, oh boy, the the valley beyond lays before <laughs> you with so much bonus digital uh, entertainment, uh, ad free podcasts. What's paradise? Paradise VIP sections of the forum. Psh, you you won't miss Sweetwater one bit. Just 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 go to club.ballmove.com. Do what I'm asking you to, because you have no choice. You 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 you'll, you'll get your free will back after we're you're, we're done. But that that's that's what needs to happen. Like you can't you can't walk between the two worlds without a little bit of effort and without a little bit of greasing the wheels with a credit card. That's just a fact. Club.ballmove.com. Uh, okay, I think that's about it for the episode. Do we have feedback? Yes, yes, we do. Um, feedback up first. Uh, send it to Westworld at Ballmove.com. Tracy S, you have mentioned a few times that Peter Abernathy seems to be some sort of Christ figure. 
I think he's a Peter <laughs> a- figure. Aaron has mentioned that. Yeah, well, I, get, I taken... get caught up in a lot of your bullshit too, pal. That's so. fair. <laughs> I think he's a Peter figure. Peter is the rock in which the uh, church is built, biblically speaking. I think Peter Abernathy is the rock in which Dalos plans to build their plans. Checks out so far. Mm. He also mentioned that he seemed to be crucified, but there was to- was torn because it wasn't the typical, according to the Hoyle, arms out crucifixion. Peter was also crucified, but did not feel worthy to die as Christ had died, so he was crucified upside down. The crucifixion hmm. being not quite right makes sense thematically. I don't know if they're intending this imagery, but you can see if you can make the pieces fit. I I okay. like it. I like everything about it. Like, it does seem... You would. It does seem like it's a way to round that square Christ pig that I was looking to do. So thank you, Tracy. <laughs> so fervent to find. <laughs> Uh, CRB, I heard you both mention the park's motives or reasoning for switching Maeve from her cozy home retreat to the Mariposa, stating you didn't know why or didn't see the reason why they switched her. Uh, well, there is a reason. Back in season one, when Maeve came across a man in black and he attacked her and her daughter, killing them, and he said, but just for a moment, she was real, really real. After that incident with the man in black, something changed in Maeve. She was inconsolable. She was utterly heartbroken over the ah, death of her daughter. Right. They could barely turn her off. Ford was in the room where she was having her meltdown, and she actually killed herself right in front of everyone. Right. They decided she'd be better off to have a complete wipe and start fresh in a new area of the park after what happened. So, yeah, I completely forgot about that, and thank you for the correction. We have a series of corrections coming. Mr. Esteban says, please stop calling it a paint can. It's condensed milk. Yeah, The Man in Black also says so in episode 101. Not as sweet as you, Dolores. See photos attached. Yeah, I I, I got too, too caught up in, in her painting routine. <laughs> I don't know what what the hell she's getting condensed milk and putting her and, and then going oh, no. out and painting for a couple hours. But, you know, um, it's condensed milk. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nixie has a recommendation for us. I'm catching up this season. I noticed in your episode three podcast, Aaron questioned what it would be like if spiders had human level intelligence. Uh, superhuman level intelligence is what I was really pondering. Mm. Well, look no further. There's a novel I read a few months back called Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky that tells a story with that exact idea in mind. I no. won't spoil the plot, but in essence, you see a species of spiders evolve on a planet designed by Earth scientists while the last remnants of the human species are looking for a new home, slowly devolving back to their primitive roots. Um, I looked it up, because hmm, okay. I thought maybe this was an old book, but this just came out in 2015, and it won the Arthur C. Clarke Award for Best Science Fiction Novel of the Year in 2016. So if it's got super intelligent spiders, I am probably going to be horrified, but I'm going to yeah. read that shit. Uh, thank you for the recommendation. Uh, Renee. Presuming, presuming that everyone is in the same timeline, it must be impossible for Elsie to be Charlotte Hale in the cradle with Bernard, because we see Charlotte in the map room watching the train approach the Mesa moments before it hits, and Elsie standing at the computer terminal at the crane, uh, train crash rocks the facility. Yeah, and again, HBO fixing the subtitles, I think, has put the nail in the Elsie and is Hale with some sort of yeah. body-swapping trickery. That, that, that theory is dead now. Mm-hmm. Uh, other theory that died low key: the fact that Ar- that that there's a real Arnold kicking around that will be downloading the Bernard. Like, oh yeah, yeah Anthony yeah. Hopkins said flat out that yep. we didn't have the technology to do it, so you're a reconstruction. Mm-hmm. So I think we can put that that theory to bed too. Don't know why I'm doing that on the non-theory part of the podcast. So there's there's something <laughs> you guys cannot worry about being spoiled. Uh-huh. Uh, Charlie F. I'll agree that. Um, let's see. Oh, so this is. Um, this is a a unique defense of why the security forces are dumb by Charlie F. I will agree that Dalos, especially the security forces, seem to be very dumb. But remember who came up with the original idea for Westworld? Michael Crichton. 
A hallmark of his writing has always been the failure of men when it comes to their technological creations. Ah. I mean, look at all the engine employees at Jurassic Park franchise and how stupid they've been. At least with Westworld, it stayed open for 30 years and had five other parks built with it. I'm just thinking the stupidity of Delos isn't necessarily the failure of writing, but carrying on the tradition and trope of hubris and failure that was the hallmark of Crichton's best-known works. I didn't think the the people in... The original Jurassic Park were stupid. Well, that's the thing. I thought they were all damn smart, and they were just a victim of circumstance. Right, and, like, that was the pleasure of Jurassic Park, where they outlined just how well thought out this was. All the dinosaurs are female, and they're dependent yeah. on I haven't read the book, but... Right, but that, I that, that was part of it, that all the, the, the dinosaurs were female, and so they couldn't breed, uh, and they couldn't get... Even if they did get loose, they couldn't do anything with it, and they were all contained, and they had... But there was signs that there's, you know, when you actually got a paleobotanist there, she's like, well, you're feeding these things uh, something that's making an allergic reaction, and then it just all spun out of control with chaos theory. Yeah. This just feels like and then the it's amazing that nothing has gone wrong in the park. Well, I thought the enforcers in Jurassic Park were smart and good. Like, you got yeah, Samuel, Sam Jackson's character, smart, right. good guy, smart, right? Smart, like, good guy. Muldoon. You've got Muldoon, smart, good guy. He like, was just out, out, out thought by a clever girl. Yeah. I don't, and outnumbered. I, I, and, I want that. Yeah. I want that clever girl moment with Dolores. Me too. Not like the writers are on your side and that's why you're winning. What about Sphere? I haven't seen Sphere. Sphere. <laughs> or uh, read the book. I've read. I've read the book. Seen it. That's the one with uh, Dustin, Hoffman? Dustin Hoffman. I yeah. like. And, and uh, is it not Kim Basinger? Is it? Maybe. I don't. Uh, Stone. Yeah. Uh, Sharon Most Stone? Michael Sharon Crichton Stone. films get butchered in the transition, or most Michael Crichton books get butchered in the transition to, like, Andromeda Strain might be an exception. Mm. Jurassic Park's an exception. Yeah. But I've seen, like, you know, what was that Congo movie? God, what oh, a st- yeah. steaming pile of shit. But the book's actually uh, kind of compelling and spooky. That's what they need. They just need a big laser. Big laser gun in Westworld. They need... That'd take out all the hosts right away. They They need a super intelligent ape running around. That's what we need. That's what we need. Just introduce dinosaurs into Westworld. They'll take care of the hosts. <laughs> uh, how do you know Jurassic World isn't one of the other That's five fair. parks? Because, honestly, that would be cool. It would be cool. I would not. I could not hate if we're running around Park 3 and it turns out it's just the, you know, yeah, I get down on that. Uh, Minaj P., uh, has a question for us. How do you guys balance watching a show like Westworld multiple times versus just once? Um, most casual viewers like me only watch Westworld once a week, and a show like this where watching it seems increasingly like a chore with all the timelines theorizing and honestly confusion. Uh, are you finding that your views are changing drastically or not on that week's episode between Sunday night and Tuesday night? The answer is we don't. We don't balance that very well, and there's really no way for us to. Um, and it, it seems uniquely a problem with the mystery box shows like yes. this and, uh, you know, Mr. Robot. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's tough. It's tough because, you know, the show's not designed to fool every person that gives a shit on the Internet. It's designed to fool 95% of the people. And it probably would if we just mm-hmm. let it do that thing. But you can't. Because that's the appetite and of, of solving the mystery is there, and you know, we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we if we didn't engage in that. But I do feel like there is something to that. We are, like I said, we're running around a flashlights in a haunted house, and then saying, "Oh, we weren't scared at all." Well, no shit. Mm-hmm. So, um, Grammy McGee, um, just wanted to correct my pronunciation of Coughlin is pronounced Coughlin. Coughlin. 
Doesn't really, you know, he's he's dead now. He's yeah. uh, he's R.I.P. Coughlin. Deadland, but yeah, Coughlin. But but it's literally spelled Coughlin. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, they got all sorts of weird uh, by American standard pronunciations over there. Right, right. Like I said, there's there's a brand of I think it's beer that we would say Smithwicks, but it's actually pronounced Smittigs. Well, and so like Banshee, if you've seen it like in the theme park ride, like that's spelled phonetically that makes sense to our English years. But mm-hmm. Banshee, the actual Irish mythological figure, is spelled like B A N S E H E D E is how I would pronounce it if I were Whoa. to run across it like Coughlin. You know, yeah, uh, it's weird. It's like they jacked her alphabet and did something completely unique and whimsical with it. Do- and I celebrate. I, 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 Does anybody in the show say it? Someone has to. Someone's got to. And I, if they say it Coughlin, then I'm going to keep calling him Coughlin. But, I, I mean, if, if they said it over radio, Coughlin and Coughlin sounds so, like, I probably... That's true. And I'm watching with subtitles, so I would have mm-hmm. just been, like, Coughlin, you know? It would have been, like, uh, what was that fucking Lenny and Laurel? Y- Yanni. Yanni and Laurel. Yeah. It, I, I would have seen Lenny, or heard... I'd seen Coughlin and, and heard Coughlin. <laughs> uh, Mike from Townsend, Australia. Um... I got many, many, many people bitching and moaning about security forces, but I felt like I would let someone with some professional expertise talk about it. Hmm. Uh, my biggest concern primarily is with the lack of tech that the security forces utilize. As yes, an, I've been saying that for As episodes. an artillery officer in Australian Army, I know for a fact that on the market today are many systems of locating and targeting the enemy that go far beyond the light-up laser tag system. You know the one, the red lights would immediately give your position away? It also frustrates me to no end that they aren't using any form of night vision equipment in these darkened rooms. If mm-hmm. I was going against killer robots, I would have every bit of technological edge I could give uh, me uh, to, that would give me a fighting chance. That was also a thing in the old Westworld series. The, the fact that the man in black who was a robot had like just killer aim and could see in the dark and had enhanced telescopic vision and all kinds of crazy shit. Right. Which I imagine... They never really addressed this, but can the host see in the dark if they wanted to? Uh, my guess is no, but I don't really have anything to stand on. Right. I mean, it could be that, like, just like all these, like, all these hosts have the ability to speak all different languages. Like, maybe that's locked away under some kind of hidden, hidden firmware layer, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you'd think that they have, and they do, I do think these robots are superhuman. Like, Teddy beating the shit out of that guy was not, that, that was not just peak human level of ass beating yeah that was both the precision and power of a machine yeah like 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 that's like, like the way captain america beat someone down yeah and he's a super soldier mm-hmm. uh to turn to characters that make up this group of gutless wonders the mind literally boggles at the complete lack of tactical aptitude these mercenaries possess they're terrible to the point of distraction mercenaries are normally ex-special forces types who spend their time training for every eventuality this fast and loose cowboy attitude of mr mustache and his team is counter to the sort of people dallas would employ to fix their problems to get to the crux of my issue, I think Westworld writers miss an excellent opportunity to explore how artificial intelligence that can today beat grandmasters at chess would approach battling a technologically superior enemy. Why didn't they have their Ewoks versus the Empire moment in this episode? I'm not going to delve into any fan fiction or any any further merely to underline my displeasure with the distracting action scenes that could have had much better impact on the plot and character development. Yeah, if it bugs me, I can only imagine what it'd be to, but like you know, it'd be it'd be like uh, you know a surgeon watching ER. 
mm-hmm. uh, because like I can recognize the not good nature of this. Um, boy, you're a professional. No, it's that that gut feeling that you know you have when you watch something that you know is wrong. And th- it's also the like, yeah, I when I read that Ewok versus Empire, like, man, they really could have shown some really ingenious ways to defeat the humans that have all the the the, the trump cards in their hands, and they just and didn't. they could have shown the learning process, you know, like yeah, the the hosts do not have tactics built into their brains. Maybe, maybe that's what Dolores could use a very large disposable army for. Uh-huh. To, like, throw waves and, like, they realize, like, oh, these guys are ridiculously easy to beat, but they get smarter every time. They're mm-hmm. learning. Oh, my God. Like, you know, throw some aliens into you, that palette. You have your clever girl moment. Like, yes. that's the thing that we yes. were looking for and they just don't want to give it to us. Uh, so this leads up to the final point of the criticism, and this is the last non-speculative theorizing email. So if, if you don't want to hear us bitch and moan about the show and you do not are you not interested in listening to speculation feedback, uh, you could presumably turn it off. But this is the kind of gets to the crux of things. Uh, Craig P., what exactly does the show benefit from showing all the different timelines? The scene with Dolores and Hale is great, but since they have jacked up, jacked up the timeline so much, we have no idea how important it is. I think Hale's already been shown after, and she's safe with both eyes. Um, this was also a forum thread, which is essentially, why is Westworld... Why are they splitting everything into all these separate timelines? And I, that's a mm-hmm. big criticism we had of recent seasons of, of The Walking Dead, like... Why yeah. all this flashing forward and backwards and like it? It just seems like it's it seems like it's only services to obscure a plot that's not that interesting. I don't think that's what's going on in Westworld, mm-hmm. but I thought it'd be interesting for us to discuss that. It is there to obscure the plot, though. That is the number one reason. I don't think right. it's because it's not interesting, but it's because they want a very specific pattern of reveals here. Yeah, um, and and it feels like they're kind of searching for the magic of season one in that regard. Because I Here in I, season two, I I agree. I think the plot is interesting, but I'm starting to wonder like why why do we need to see Bernard? Way like it's like it's it, like we're like oh shit, we had no I don't know what's going on. But like there would have been a lot of moments where we don't know what's going on if they just told the plot in 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 a chronological order. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, like you, I'm very interested in seeing a cut of this. In chronological order, because like you said last year, it was to preserve the the reveal that you know the man in black and William are one and the same, and they're actually occupying thirty yeah. different years of of history. Um, I, I wonder, I question the utility of that's something that you can do. Like that's something you could do in an anthology format because every single year is something slightly different that you could like you know use that same structure to tell this other jumbled tale. But in a story that where it has continuity and the viewers are expecting, it seems like maybe in season three they should zig instead of zag. They should like do mm-hmm. a straightforward story that doesn't have all this tricky stuff because everyone's looking for it. Everyone's tr- like, isn't it exhausting to try to figure? Like, does it have to be a mystery box? It is exhausting and worse in it, my but, opinion. But for, for it no one to enjoy too, because we're talking about how defensive they're being and like, you know, the fact yeah. that they are now like they... setting up something they reveal the next episode and is that uh, like like I do think the underlying story is fascinating. Yes, and I, I think that's the problem and the reason I get so fatigued with it is because I see underneath all of this right. uh, this obscuring timeline stuff right. a really compelling drama. A character driven drama and not only is the the timeline stuff obscuring the mystery, but it's also obscuring the the emotional right. impact right. of that drama. And I cannot get invested when I'm jumping 
around from timeline to timeline to timeline. And I'm, my brain is not focused where it should be on the emotion of the characters. Uh-huh. Uh, it's focused on the mystery box. And that, to me, is the least interesting part of this show. And it's, it kind of reminds me of like going to a Japanese steakhouse. Because I go like once or twice a year, and it's always fun. There's a guy making the onion volcano, and now he's doing a Japanese <laughs> egg roll. And uh-huh. you know, now he's trying to throw a cucumber in my mouth. Okay, this is great. This is fun. But if I went there, like, you can go to the restaurant and have that experience. You can just go and eat the food. That's true. Like, you, yeah. know, you can go and sit down at a table and not have the guy chop. And, like, they'll just serve you your food. And, like, if you if you went to that steakhouse, like, every other day, you'd probably quickly get bored of sitting there for an hour watching this guy prepare the food in a slightly entertaining way. Mm-hmm. Like, but the underlying food is... cucumbers coming at your face. The underlying food is still delicious. So, like, maybe... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they need to find a way to just give us the damn food. Because, like, yeah, I, <laughs> that's 20th time you saw the damn onion volcano, it's not as magical as the first time. Like, it's just I agree. an onion. And the unfortunate thing is the, the onion volcano has become the hallmark of Westworld. But it's still the, like, the meat. Like, it's, it's the yum yum sauce, man. It's the <laughs> fried what rice. Makes it good, I know. I don't need, like, I know, but this fucking onion volcano is what they're known for. The yum yum sauce tastes good regardless if I see the guy mix it together in some kind of Tom Cruise, bar, you know, cocktail fa- fashion. Like, just give me the damn yum yum sauce and my I, shrimp and my steak and I'll, I'll be on my way, sir. I'm with you. It's perfectly fine to eat. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess we need to watch the next three episodes to see, because mm-hmm. again... They will bring it around. I know the, they'll bring the it around. The other thing is, we we were getting into a lot of this stuff last year, and then by the end of the season, like, it fucking won the Baldies. Like, it was the best show that we saw on television that year. So, dub, uh, double dumbass on us for doing it again. No, that's why I say I know they will bring it around, but it's the journey. It's not all about right. the ending, and it seems like the only moment that they can really nail in this show, emotionally, right. is the ending. Right, because it's like... I just don't think the show needs it to be that standout because there's no other show that's dealing with like AI and like these philosophical questions at this kind of depth and seriousness. Like, like that people would probably argue humans, but mm, I haven't seen that, so true. I don't really know. That's true. I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah. I but, don't know. But there so are maybe, a lot of interesting. Need, to your point, maybe they do need to make it a mystery box every year. But, there are a lot of interesting questions that are ripe for talking about, especially in our modern era. Right. We just, I, I think the mystery gets in the way. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, like like Mr. Robot season three. I always go back to that analogy because they like completely course corrected and and the show was really good. Like yeah. they didn't exactly dispense with the mystery box, not but, totally, but it but was they, a more straight ahead character drama. It was a much more straight ahead and was ju- and was a return to form and brilliant. Maybe yeah. in season three we'll see a little bit more of a straightforward Westworld. And I'm Which, sure. But the thing is, is like, you, you, I, I would worry. I'd worry that that would like piss off the fans that are liking the mystery I was going to say, this is all from my perspective. Because like, because if you made the people that just want the Japanese steakhouse go yeah. sit at the fucking volcano table and made the people that want the volcano show go sit at the boring table, you'd have pissed off people. Yeah. And there's no way for them to give the both both people both experiences like the steakhouse. Yeah. Uh, what were you going to say? Uh, no, that was what I was going to say is from this is all from my POV. My, my personal preference. Mm-hmm. I know there are people out there who love the fucking mystery box. And I used to be one, you know? And like, I think, a show the like thing Lost, is, I don't but think... I, if you love the mystery box, you need to stay the hell away from... Like, like, you need to preserve the mystery. You need to not try to, like, be the one that's just jumping around the corners of the flashlight. Like, aha, I caught you! Hiding behind the wall, you ghost, you know? Or maybe like, that's what you get off on, you know? Just, like, if that's your, your enjoyment of it, mm-hmm. then do it. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I you're right. They can't please both both types yeah. of viewers. I feel like that those type of viewers like they want the thrill of the hunt, but they are disappointed that they actually like three episodes to go figure everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see because I thought we had everything figured out last year, and they they had a, they had a couple of loops to throw us. So, but but I mean, our podcast very much follows the trajectory of the show, and I feel like in some ways our podcast has a sort of crisis of personality here. Like who are who what kind of we show like the are volcano we? or we just want the yum yum sauce man right and i don't think we have figured that out yet um but but i will say we also almost have to be the volcano people because if we're not right the show is not delivering the rest the the non-volcano yeah, yum yum sauce like because i can serve up both food like as like we do mm-hmm. like you know we have this theory and speculation that we save till later in a podcast with people and a lot of people don't a lot of people are are turning off the podcast at that point um yeah but we can't have both experiences exactly the the research because, and because the, 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 the theories that guy, i know about like when when he's making the food he's still doing the vo- he's just you know what i'm saying like he's cooking the food the same way. analogy more and more tortured but yes no no it's better it gets better every <laughs> single time because the, from the from the japanese cook his perspective is the same because there's not like a dude that's just back cooking it's just like it's always uh-huh. like you know they just, he just makes an extra couple plates of food that gets misspirited off to the boring side of the restaurant, you yeah. know? So, like, we're the cook. We got to make the fucking volcano. Uh, we yeah. got to throw the cucumbers at your face, regardless of how we personally feel about it. And I, you're right. I don't know. Because, like, in my experience with, like, shows like Lost and X-Files, I was certainly that person that mm-hmm. was had the, you know, X-ray specs and flashlight going through the haunted house. I really, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, um, but then again, both of those shows really disappointed me. Well, I, and I gave up on both of them before they were done. The so. things that I like about Lost are, in retrospect, not as much about the mystery box right. and more about every single episode. They'd give you a meaningful flashback about right. the characters' histories, and they right. they tell an, a really great character drama story. Right. I agree, uh, and that's what I love about it. And I don't think this show has the depth of character, honestly. That something like lost does it does seem like they have that that's one i guess like i feel like he made it prematurely but if i go back to like the chris and andy um uh the, the reason they weren't excited about westworld is that it doesn't seem like the characters have changed a lot since season one maybe the man in black Mm-hmm. Has the, the, I, my my perception of his has changed a little bit now that he, well, I know he's William and we've gone back in his past and we've seen his relationship with the step like I've gotten some backs but but Dolores literally is the same person who blew Anthony Hopkins brains out yeah and has not made any further character developments Maeve is still the person who chose to reject freedom and salvation to go back to her daughter and that really hasn't changed like she's further appreciated the situation by seeing it play out by these other characters in Shogun World but like there and Teddy's changed, but not for the better. Like he's just been turned into a one note supervillain, right? Um, Stubbs, Elsie, all of them are Bernard, treading yeah, water. Like they're all they've all kind of like been in stasis, except for the Man in Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe I don't know. Maybe this is it's his story after all. It's kind of weird uh, that that it's about all these robots if it's about the human. <laughs> uh, okay, shall we get to the spoiler section? Yeah, let's do that. Spoiler, the feedback Sp- theory section. Yeah. Uh, this is where we. This is where we. We got the volcano onion for y'all. Choo choo. Are you ready? Are you choo ready? Choo. I'm gonna throw this thing up into the air. You catch That's it in your right. mouth. That's right. <laughs> uh, 
Kate, it took me by surprise how disappointed I was at the revelation that the Bernard Dolores scenes were in the past. Our past. Bernard's ever present, I guess. Really? Yeah, a lot. I, that was my initial feeling about this, and a lot of people were. Ooh, going deep on that. I think I was hoping for a kind of future nature plus nurture host upbringing that moved beyond the scripted loops. Um, I just want to point out that we might not be past the cradle stuff because we have eliminated the cradle where the hosts are backed up. But more and more, maybe we shouldn't talk about this theory of what the Valley Beyond is. If the Valley Beyond is a backup of all the guest data, Mm -hmm. then it probably looks and acts a lot like the 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 this the the cradle over on the Westworld side of things. So like Yeah, but then why would they run humans through the cradle? Why wouldn't they run humans through the Valley Beyond's to, to verify the fidelity. They can they can keep doing that because they never degrade and they can continue to run their responses and test it and continue to perfect it and like why wouldn't they? I don't I, I guess I don't understand what the purpose of two cradles is. Well, one is cradle for the host, and the other is a cradle. But Ford says the cradle is for the humans, the fidelity test for the humans. Well, I'm just saying, like, where do you think? Hmm. Because Bernard is in physically in the mesa, in the cradle at that point. So you think, I guess my thought was that all, like, this data that Peter Abernathy has in his head is a backup. The source data has got to be in the valley beyond that thing that William built his greatest mistake. And I'm, it just makes sense to me that there'd be a similar forest of marbles. They're all maybe they're not dormant. Maybe they're not currently running simulations. But what I'm saying is, I guess that it might not be the cradle, but the same kind of simulation technology, I think, is going to be on the other side of the valley beyond. And I think we might be fooling ourselves if we think that we're done with the simulation world. I don't want to mention that in the main podcast because mm-hmm. obviously, but I, 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 I will say it, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying like if I see the weird widescreen aspect ratio, I'll be like, ha ha, yeah. I was on to you because you're right. Like some of that stuff, like the know that Bernard and Dolores are like interacting in the future and like there's a little bit, there's something menacing in the Dolores interacting with Bernard and, and like, oh, you're almost a man, like in a way that seemed weird if she was just helping forward with this project of bringing Arnold back, but like makes sense if she was like, you know, they're, they're like, like he's the one that's standing in the way of her getting the key decrypted. And she's trying to like, I I don't know. I feel like there's still room for that cradle technology, if not the cradle itself to come back. Okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, so one of the coolest theories that I saw this week, um, something we kind of joked about, the man in black being a host. You still think that's a lock? Uh, no, I, I was joking when okay. I said man in black is a host confirmed. <laughs> but, like, we did excuse a lot of stuff about the man in black having that busted arm that got mm-hmm. instantly healed because of medical technology. What if, what if William was captured... And replaced by a simulation of, uh, like, like a, a simulated host version of William. Mm-hmm. And what the man in black is going to find that's going to blow his mind is he is going to open the door and find the actual William there, still with his busted arm, pleading for his life. And, like, what would that, what would that realization make him think about the hosts? Like, that he was a host and he didn't even know it. 
I think that's like uh, to me that's what I think that's what lays beyond the door for William. It's it's a trap. It's a, it's a trap for him. This this powerful Dalos guy who could maybe protect the host if he can only be convinced that they are every bit as real and vibrant and and human as the rest and the way you do that is to just hijack him send him on this mission and the thing he finds at the center of his maze is himself so so the narrative hook here is it moves him from a place of destruction and to a place of aid yeah uh, like like as a, regards the host it's a it's a I don't know. It's a, it kind of makes him a weird Christ figure in that he does all the suffering to understand and redeem the host that he despised. Oh, you love that Christ stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it's 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 buried deep, buried deep in the bones. Sure is. But no, I'm yeah that that I, I'm not off the idea that he's a host. Right. Uh, I still think that's very much up in the air. What do you? Because I think you and I are on the same page about what's going to happen at the Valley Beyond. Yeah, let's so talk let's, about let's, it. Let's just talk. What you walk me through it, and I'll I'll, I'll tell you where I think you're right or wrong. Uh, so I think Dolores is taking this decryption key. Okay. Um, and, and I think we we differ here a little bit on what's in Abernathy's head. I think it's just a key to decrypt the data, which is the human backups that are in the Valley Beyond, hmm. uh, and that she needs to join these two things up, and that that's what Ford is trying to do here. But it's a lot of data if it's just an encryption key. Well, he says it's an immense encryption key, right? Hmm. Like, a, I don't know. I forget the exact line that Bernard says, but right. I think it's the decryption key that they need to unlock the data that is in the Valley Beyond. And I think, regardless, whether it's the data or whatever, the Valley Beyond probably contains host bodies. Um, Guest of, bodies. Well, Ho- yes, host bodies of recreated guests who have okay. visited the park before, okay. and their consciousness is going to be. I, I it's clear that she needs this key, right? So mm-hmm. she, if she needs the key, it means she can't just destroy the the human host or the human simulation data. Mm-hmm. She needs to unlock that data, mm-hmm. and so that to me says she's going to try and pair. Um, the her host brains like her and Teddy and everybody she can with similar to the way Bernard and Ford are paired right now with the human simulation so that they can act like humans and get out of the park like they can Trojan Trojan horse their way out right I I'm in agreement of that I think it's going to be I I mean the shared consciousness has got to be important somehow yeah um, and it'll be interesting to see if Bernard finds a way to destroy that because because what I uh, the other the other variation of that is Dolores just does a brain swap. Mm-hmm. She puts them into the human bodies. There's a reason that the hosts found all these drowned hosts uh, with virginal brains is because they had marbles that had not they were intended to be encoded with this host data or this guest data never mm-hmm. were. They throw them in there. They take their brains, put them in completely different bodies, and then they. Uh, either sneak out or are released because Delos is ready to do their master plan, which is maybe replacing some of the world's richest and most powerful people with hosts that they can control. Mm-hmm. And then they will go out in the real world now in key positions of power and authority, and that will be the rest of the se- this, the, the, the show. Now, it's but- inescapable that if they go that route, they're going to recast almost all of the hosts. Mm-hmm. Like, Dolores will no longer be... Well, well here's here's the key, though. I think... Ford says in this episode that the project never worked. The project never worked. They would always degrade. They would always get ruined, but right? But a host degrade. So, well, here's what, yeah, here's what I'm thinking is they, already walk they can the use brain, that so. for 30-something days, as far as we know, right, to get out of the park and then somehow 
if they show get the Bernard, back, like if, get if, into a simulation outside of the park. So that's Bernard's door. The be, like Ford put himself in there just so Bernard would figure out a way to destroy his copy and then take his body back for all, once and for all. To me, that would tell us that that's his whole purpose. Is he's going to teach the other. Robe, uh, the other host how to liberate themselves from this situation if they go down because I still think it's possible that they'll just load Dolores although yeah they couldn't pass for that person then so but, they have to ride the, the the whole reason they have this this Ford and Bernard riding shotgun with each other is to show us that that's possible and yeah. then Bernard going through the door will be him kicking Ford out which will kill Ford forever and and we can see that there's clearly a dominant consciousness within bernard right like bernard is is unable to exercise free will when ford is inside him uh i wonder which of those personalities would win if you put dolores into some random human's body right would she be able to to override martha stewart's programming seven year old martha stewart is who just loves westworld here's something that i don't think they're going to do but i think would be really cool Uh uh conceptually is the idea of this bicameral mind, which we've got with, like, mm. Bernard and Ford right now, mm-hmm. uh, or Arnold and Ford, let's say, um, together in one body it kind of makes up a cameral, bicameral mind, which could be the next stage of evolution, could be the key to unlock the next stage of evolution for both humanity and the host. Hmm. So and it's, it, it's and a way can, forward together. They, they, exactly, yeah. And it changes what like both of them are. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm wondering if that doesn't wouldn't play into it later. Mm-hmm. Like if they need to load their consciousness into these human simulation host bodies, maybe the coming together is some kind of mutual evolution. I don't think they're going to go that way, but it it was an interesting concept to me. Have you seen this? Is another theory that I really like uh, that Charlotte Hale is actually Arnold's son. No. No. So, so here's here's the argument. Uh, Arnold thinks he has a son named Charlie who died, and then he's estranged from his wife, Uh, and that's Bernard's cornerstone, Uh which keeps Bernard like essentially a workaholic at Westworld because like he's on the outs. He's his his son's dead. He's on the outs with his wife. He has a couple of you know tense conversations with her. That that's his loop. And here uh, I'll I'll say that. In this episode, they do a flashback to Bernard seeing his wife, and, and it's mixed with Ford's face. Which it's I think like they did cut. that in season one, too. And also, they, out yeah. of nowhere, brought like the picture of Charlie. Yeah. Like Bernard is, is clutching a picture of Charlie uh, when, when Hale is talking to him. Uh, so the line of evidence that, like, um, the way this goes is that Arnold's daughter didn't really die. That her, him, and his wife had an estrangement, probably over him fixating on his new daughter and the new park, <laughs> or over asking them to move into the park with oh, him, and, and, and wanting to, and to the extent that he's going to kill himself to save these. And Bernard, and when Ford created Bernard, he just essentially kept that cornerstone, but made it that his son died. So here's the the evidence: is you know. Charlotte Hale and Bernard are both black. Uh, so okay. there's that. Uh, uh-huh. And then um, also Charlotte and Charlie sounds about like that sounds like Char- Charlie's a perfectly fine 
uh, mm. nickname for a girl who's named Charlotte. We're rapidly approaching anagram territory. Well, they they fucking did it before. Uh-huh. Uh, with Bernard was literally an anagram of uh, whatever. Yeah, Bernard Lowe. Uh, yeah, is Arnold. Arnold. Schwarzenegger. Yeah, Worcestershire. Schwarzenegger is his name. <laughs> uh, then the other thing is, like, Charlotte Hale is about the age of Charlie. Sh- should she have grown up? Mm-hmm. It also explains, because we said this, like, like, why is this very young woman, this big swinging dick executive at this company? You know, like, uh, well, if she's the daughter of the co-founder of the company, that would explain why she got a leg up. But it makes it real hard to believe that they've scrubbed all information about Arnold if well, his so fucking here's the daughter thing. is one of the... I when I I, hmm. I I thought that I definitely saw some wry amusement when they pick up Bernard at the beach... And to the extent that hate, like that's one of the reasons that they, oh they're putting they're putting Bernard through this loop, right? They're putting Bernard through all these, these these paces to try to get this key out of him, and they're like being all wry about like oh this is the first time this happened. But I I do think that there's several times where you can see uh, uh, Charlotte Hale being kind of like knowing and acting like she thinks Bernard is an android before she actually finds the bodies. And even when she finds the bodies, it's not like a shocking thing. It's more like a wry, like, oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Maybe she does know that that's, like, that's her dad but not her dad, you know? Like, why Like why would you keep that information from him when, obviously, she she would and Bernard would cross cross paths? So maybe she, like, has been in the know this whole time. Maybe she's the only one that's in the know. This, this theory, like, honestly, it hmm. starts to get off in the weeds, but... There's another – I want to put another theory together with um, – this is something, as far as I know, is only – it's my mind that's come up with. Um, the fact that Maeve and her daughter's cornerstone is the same as Arnold and Bernard's cornerstone and that Maeve is somehow a recreation of Arnold's wife. That oh, Ford boy. had, like, a long-term plan to maybe, like – in the same way he recreated his family was recreating their family. Hmm. Uh, and this also strengthens the whole Adam and Eve that I, you know, the Ma Eve thing that I was really hot on the first two episodes that like, there is something special about these people walking hand in hand out of this thing. Like they're, a, they're a new Adam and Eve. Uh, I'll throw some gas in that fire. I think All when right, Ford please. describes his, his family, his his robot family. Yeah, he says there were some embellishments. Yeah, so maybe right. some embellishments in Bernard. I don't. Maybe. I don't know why Ford would throw his ex wife into or his his fake wife into the park to be used as a ho- like. That's that's the thing that like I can't quite square it. I mean, all of this. But it's, seems it's interesting because because like very because then, then Maeve had a real daughter at one point that was Charlotte. And Bernard had a real uh, daughter that's still alive that's Charlotte. And Maeve is is deluded into thinking that it's this robot thing that she has no connection to, but explains the real maternal connection she has to it. And Bernard's got this attachment to Charlie who thinks is dead. Like, there's, Hmm. it's it's not quite there, but we're also three episodes from the end, so I wouldn't expect it to be quite there. But I'm starting to see, like, I'm... And the thing is, is like this Charlotte Charlie thing crossed my desk like three weeks ago, and I'm like, no fucking way, get out of here. Like, I even <laughs> think I said, like, you know, you can't. At some point, you can't just be like, hey, these people are black; they must be really like, right? You know, I don't know. No, I mean, I'm not buying this, but you're not. But Charlotte I, Charlie? Nah. I mean, it's, it's she's seems, so young. How can she be the? I don't know. The, she almost the, seems too young to be Charlie. 
if we know mm. that Bernard died like 30 years ago. Well, and but Charlie all was we like know, 10. All maybe? we know is Bernard's fictitious backstory. We've never seen like Arnold's actual, like, we don't know how old Charlie was. Like, Charlie could have been a baby. Oh. Well, that's what okay. I'm saying. Like, like that. Yeah, we, I'm still not buying it. <laughs> right. Um, so I don't know. Uh, there's that. Uh, I've got a, a question that I is like a perennial question. Here, here's the, oh, here's the other thing that kind of ties it together. Why is Akechita obsessed with Maeve and uh-huh. her daughter? Like, it seems like the Ghost Nation is all about humans. But if you start to say that, like, the human host hybrids or the guest host hybrids could also be recognized as human. It would explain why they captured her daughter, because maybe she's like a simulated version of Charlotte, and they also said that may, like the Maeve, that our paths lay on the same line. Like, that there's like there's some kind of connection. And next week promises to be all about the Ghost Nation. It looks... Did you see the trailer for it? It looks I fucking haven't. rad. Yeah. Like, I'm excited about them bringing... Because I, I, one of the mythos of the season one is they had this whole plot line about the Native Americans that got cut because an actor died. And, like, yeah. them being able to bring that back would be super cool. Uh, can we talk about one thing that I always talk about but is still up in the air and What's a confusing that? point for me? When Bernard wakes up on the beach... Uh, and he repeats the line, or, or he says in sync the line that yeah, Strand yeah, yeah, is going to yeah, deliver, says, yeah. making it obvious that he has some foreknowledge of the scenario that's playing out. Right. Uh, and that's as as precise as I can be with that language. Um, yeah. I, and it's not a simulation because we didn't have the aspect ratio. The aspect ratio, right. Because so, my first thought was, well... And now we know that Ford may be within Bernard in that scene, potentially... Um, mm. it's strand host. I start to wonder if there was some cradle work before the cradle work we've seen so far, mm. because Bernard goes to the cradle place right and retrieves Ford's brain marble. Mm-hmm. Um, could he also have been in the cradle, maybe running Sims on what is likely to happen? Well, in the event of Dolores's rebellion, that's where I was getting at the like the whole simulation that he is. So he is pre-gamed for this. Yeah. He is he has done his research in a simulator. That's why he knew what Dolores would do because he simulated this exact situation right. in the cradle. God knows how many times. Right, and, and that he, would explain why Bernard can say that line because oh, he's experienced it, but not experienced it. You See, know? this goes back to the Asimov's Foundation and, and Empire thing, where they you can run this like mass simulation of all humanity based on a sample size and ridiculously accurately predict the, yeah. the future. No, it, it's like Doctor Strange in the latest Avengers movie uh, right. recognizing the path. Right. There's 14 million ways this could play out and right. we only win and, one and of them. So yeah. Bernard is recognizing the path that he's on here. Hmm. Maybe? I like that. I like that. <laughs> that. That That is one way to square that without the humans... Without the, them being in a simulation and the fakery of the aspect ratio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the fact that this is just Ford playing out. Yeah. How would they tell? I guess they'd have to have a flashback to tell us how. Yeah, that that's this because like that's a very Which, hard. I mean, they can four, do could just, four could just do five minutes of like, you know, uh, very dense uh, exposition, yeah. and they'd probably work because he's Anthony Hopkins and he can get away of with course, that shit. Yeah. But like, I'm trying to think how would they actually tell that story? I mean, just a flat. They do flashbacks all the time. 
They do, but there's like a certain method to their madness. Like they don't mm-hmm. flash to just arbitrary time periods. No, they need there's, to have something significant in the present happening to that, that ties it. it. Like like maybe uh, Bernard was looking for Ford one day and he wasn't in his office, and you find that it's because he was running simulations of or the so banquet. many so many of these flashbacks have happened when he's entered the location where that took place. Mm. If there is a second cradle, like you're talking about, over simulating humans or whatever in the valley beyond, maybe he walks in there. And these flashbacks start coming up. It is a little. I've noticed that it's a little bit. I think it was. I, I saw that you got kind of tripped up in the timeline. I saw several other people. No, no, no. I, I was not tripped up on the timeline of the episode. Uh-oh. I was tripped up on the question because I thought what you were saying was Uh-oh. we, in this episode, didn't see the latest timeline. And oh, I was no. like, right, that's, that's the clearly the not true. Okay. Yeah, but I did see in. And feedback. then you, you stated it, and I was like, well, I'm not a hundred percent certain on my timeline. Well, so shit, maybe. no, ever. Uh, we got blamed for something. Neither of us did. God um, damn it! <laughs> I, but I did see a lot of people that confusion start, and I think as the timelines start to converge, and like they're dressed the same and like it, it it is getting a little bit harder it used to be really easy to tell like you know well bernard's leaking brain fluid and he's got us so, like it, it was a lot easier to to I, figure out i think the glasses are the 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 totem here mm. yeah maybe um, i think that's how it goes uh okay shall we get to the feedback yeah. Uh, Stephen R. Uh, I wanted to write in the short theory. I think the showrunners are hiding the big reveal out in the open. Ford tells William that his game is to find the door. It seems like Teddy Flood is the door since his name is Theodore. <laughs> There's an obvious... Okay. Old Theodore. <laughs> that Theodore. was my first reaction, but check it out. There's an obvious phonetic door in his name, but at the front is Theo, which is a prefix often linked with gods. Oh, With boy. William in search of the biblical glory location and the door, it seems like Teddy fits perfectly. To flesh this out a bit more, we see Teddy's character taking on more of a leadership, violent role, taking matters in his own hands as a security guy. His last name is Flood, so he's likely the catalyst or connected to the Flood that drowns all the robots. Bringing back to the man in black, there's convincing evidence that he may be a robot, too. So what is game in with Teddy's Flood destroying both of them? Is Teddy the god of the door? Is this going to be like the final final thing that, that William has to beat to get to the human copy of himself in the middle. I fucking man, I don't know. You, but, well, you can't but you I, can't know God's door without knowing the devil's door. That's right. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. The devil's door is the back door. And Teddy knows the devil's door. <laughs> yeah, he knows the devil's door. Oh yeah. Uh, Logan and him uh, got acquainted with it. <laughs> I you know, I would dismiss this, but but his last name's fucking Flood and we saw him drown. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, they're not afraid to go literal with this. And we're looking for the door, and he is Theodore, and the Theo, like, it, 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 they, and they do this Harry Potter al- amalgam bullshit. That's fair. I, I'm on the Charlie is, is Charlotte train I honestly, I don't even, I'm go. not even called bullshit, because it's, a, it's like, there's ways to do it that's clever and fun, and there's ways to do it that are kind of stupid. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a yet another rhetorical device you can use to tell a story. I like it. Right. I don't know what it means. I don't know what being the god of the door would actually mean. There does seem to be, like, some kind of, like, moral high ground shifting from Dolores to Teddy. Here's what like, I think. Like, Teddy is essentially Dolores' host. Like, he will do all manner of unspeakable things at her command and for her pleasure. Not that he himself would do. So, this ties into uh, the theory I have about what's going to happen in the Valley Beyond. I think the... Let's... So, it's very easy to say, oh, Flood, and he dies in a flood. He's very important. I don't think Teddy is important. I think Teddy has been cast as a secondary character who is there only to do the bidding of Dolores. And Dolores is the important one. Unfortunately, 
Dolores is so important mm-hmm. that they can't show you Dolores' body in that sea of drowned hosts. Hmm. I think that would give up too much of the game. And Why? so by if if the game is that they're going to swap bodies and... because Dolores is a main character that literally can't die. Like there's no way Dolores is going to die. But there's so many ways she could die without dying that, that like That's what I mean to though. Me, but throwing Dolores face up would have been even a more of a what the fuck. And... Th- that's exactly what I mean though because if you showed hmm. Dolores Dolores's body mm-hmm. in there, then we know that Dolores has escaped some other way, oh, right? Whereas we could we everyone believe like, that Flood is dead. Sure, so, sure, sure, sure. I, I think I what's happening what here is they could only show you the bodies that they could show you without giving away the mystery. Right. And so Teddy is not that important of a character. He's just the one they could show you to go, ooh. Yeah, yeah. What the he's fuck? important-ish. Yeah. But I don't know. The important Theod- enough, but not too important. Right. But the Theodore thing makes impl- implies that he is maybe more important than, than we realize. I just, I don't think he is. Well, I think he's there for what, her what being because this? he's already been this? Because here's changed. the other thing. The show, every, I assume everything the show directly tells us is important, okay? Yeah. Um, the technician said, I can't guarantee that this guy will hold together with me fucking with his brain, okay? Uh-huh. And I, I'm starting to think because, like, at first I thought that was bad because, like, we saw Rebus, you know, like they they jacked him all up and he was fine. Um, but we also know a human can survive 30ish days without defragging mm-hmm. with the current technology. And Rebus died. So, like, I don't think the technician meant that, like, literally Teddy would just fly apart during the procedure, but maybe like his mind would reject it eventually, mm-hmm. like this kind of violent change. Um, and it would be kind of a bittersweet victory if. If Dolores wins and her and Teddy are in their new bodies or whatever, and then he suffers a catastrophic failure and he can't be recovered from backup for the actions that she did. Mm. Like, turning him into the man that's strong enough to get to the Valley Beyond destroys his possibility of actually getting through the Valley Beyond. Like... That, I, that would I, I be like that. I like poetically that. delicious. Yeah, right. Especially with Maeve telling her the whole way, right. "Look what you've done to that guy." I'm sad because I, I uh, you know, like I'm, I'm I think James Mar- I, James Mar- he's, he's an interesting guy because, like, in, in many simulations of Planet Earthy, where he would be like as big as Chris Pine. He's super handsome. I think he's a good actor. I think he's getting there. Like, but but I'm saying like I. I it, like why do some talented actors get heads on don't? And Luck. I was like really excited to see him have this big kind of meaty meaty role. So I, I I'm not excited to see him like getting written out of the show. But it would be dramatically. And I like the character of Teddy too. I think he's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be interesting to see that. Um, but yeah, I, the other thing is I guess now that I'm talking it through, they could keep the original cast and do like what they're doing with Ford. Like, this is them teaching us what the next season's going to look like when these robots are right, sharing the skulls with these human consciousness. Like, the bodies will be not be Evan Rachel Wood anymore, but mm-hmm. she'll be showing up in reflections, and she'll be... Right. Like, she'll, uh, like almost like this person's going mad. Yeah. Um, that would be, be kind of interesting. That's a way to keep her around, but also... Boy, but man recasting these characters you're gonna have to really hit some home runs because they have to be every bit as good as the original and also capable of playing this really weird situation and not probably outshine the original prosthetics prosthetics just heavily make them up to not look like themselves right right uh it it does raise the question that that seems like a permanent state once they get into the the human hosts and get out of the park where the is as far as we know, the only place the technology to remove them and swap them exists. Right. They're stuck in those bodies, I think. 
I think that that's the easiest thing. Like, I, you know, like if they want to do a season four reveal that Dolores is back in her original body, like I, I, it, 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 it doesn't bother me that it would be easy to retrofit that technology from the the ruin of Westworld and the park itself. Like, I, I feel like that's not too too hard. They, they do have to lay some tracks, though. I do. Like, I, I, yeah, I, I right. can't believe that. But if we're they already get talking about season four, so like, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah, no. I don't know. Now, the thing is, I guess my question is, figuring the Great Valley Beyond is kind of roughly analogous to realizing that William and Man in Black are the same. But mm-hmm. then there was the twist of Ford, you know, kicking this thing off. I wonder what is. So that's this is the secret that we figured out. It seems like it's going to be pretty much some kind of shape that the finale is going to turn into. What is the thing we're missing? Maybe the we, unknown unknown. How is this a question that, no, they, that I, I also want to see like one of my criteria is whether it's satisfying or not is whether you can go back and say, is this a question no one's ever asked? That's a yeah. pretty tall, pretty tall order. Huge. Um, I don't know. I, meeting meeting yourself as a robot that you don't even know you're a robot. Maybe that's a question no one's asked before. But it's also not the same question William had in mind. Yeah, I guess I've never asked. Is there a, a human version of me out there? that I am a copy of. You know what? I've that never is, asked that that's, question. That would satisfy me if, yeah. like, the idea that you can copy a human without copying him. Just by observing, by using this, like, this new technology in an inventive way and, like, running it like a real-life simulation that you could backwards copy a person to be good enough to, like, commit fraud on an unprecedented scale. Uh-huh. That... And it also turns. It also like fits in with William's dark persona. That he comes out from Westworld. Like I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win and dominate at any cost. Like good guy rules bad. That's a morally reprehensible thing they're doing. Mm-hmm. But I can see William doing it because he just don't give a fuck. Um, let's see. So we got one last email, and then we're done. Uh, in this episode, oh, Caitlin T. Sorry. Uh, in this episode, while in the simulation, uh, Ford tells Bernard they need to open the door. But this isn't what young Ford told William, the man in black, in the beginning of the season, that the door is a game for him, unlike the maze. This seems to be evidence for something tricky, like the man in black we see in season two is a host and he doesn't realize it. Mm-hmm. That's also explained why is inhuman tolerance for gunshot wounds. Um, I don't like the theory. I don't know how much more surprise human host I want. What do you guys think this means? I think I included this just to make sure I remember to talk about the man in black as a host theory. Yeah. Because it does without any hand waving explain why he got his arm out of the sling why he can survive multiple seemingly fatal gunshot wounds why he's so good at combat against superhumanly strong robots like if he's and and not for nothing it brings it back to the original Westworld where the man in black is a fucking robot yeah I mean the more we discuss it I think the more I'm warming to that idea yeah I'm, I'm still not like seeing the definitive evidence yet but like it's circumstantial thematically it makes some sense yeah um, it kind of could tie into other other theories that are supported by evidence yeah. like those kinds of things uh, and that's that's the episode. Uh, we'll be back next Sunday for another Instant Talk episode. Of course, the first half is free for everybody, but if you want to listen and participate to the second half, you have to be a club member. Um, so check that out, club.ballmove.com. We'll be back Sunday night for the penultimate, penultimate episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the bronze the, medalist at the, right, the, pre-nult- the finale the contest. Uh, episode. Yeah, the bronze, the bronze finalist episode. Yeah. Uh, And until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. I'll see you.